0: Two, one. What
1: the fuck is up, dude? What's up, man? Thank you for coming.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited.
1: Uh, the roast battles that you put on, I, I got to come up with that up front, dude, because they are so much fun to attend.
0: Thank Those you. Those things are so much fun. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the, the best word to describe it, is fun. Um, I think, like, you know, I didn't create the roast battles by any means, Um. He goes back in comedy a while, but to bring it to Albuquerque and to see what it's gone into, you know? But it is just a bunch of fun. It's a crazy show. It's always different. And, like, why not want to go see people talk shit to each other <laughs> who are categorically funny? Like, right. they're good at it. They so, should be. Yeah, They. well, you're right. They should be. And when they're not, we save them the cr- as the judges yep. or the crowd. You and know?
1: The, the crowd wins either way. Like mm-hmm. I think, because, man, the one you just put on, that was number four four number five? Oh no probably f- might be like 15 holy shit i throw
0: in, i i started throwing them um, the first one either 2019 yeah like end of 2018 2019 i was throwing oh, them wow. and we started to have some momentum but it wasn't too big and then obviously the pandemic right. took a break um but Could- yeah like at, at revel probably number
1: seven or eight okay because i've been to like three of them i think Okay. Like, Yeah, I think I've been to like three of them. And I think there's only one time where uh, one of the roasters kind of bombed. The mm. crowd still won, though. Yeah. Because it's just fucking it. the, it, the misery isn't shared. Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and we could
0: all just like enjoy it. And it takes a lot of balls to get up there, you yeah. know? Um, honestly, the last time I did a roast battle, because I used to do them every event and throw the event, the last one I had, I bombed. Oh, yeah. Bombed bad. And it was the first time I'd really felt that for the roast battles and I'd be down to get back up there, but I realized that it kind of elevated at that event for me who was, it was like our second time doing rebel and I went all in on promotion and really trying to get it. Cause we had that, that was the first time we had like a stage like that okay. and, and, and to be in a room where we could really create a vibe. Um, we had done one other kind of trial event and I put so much in the last roast battle I had done, I kind of winged it a bit and I did great and I was like, Oh, I'll just do that again. Like, I'm more funny when I'm just kind of going off the top, you know? And I was like, I was just putting in all the effort and throwing the event. And I went up there and just, it was just all like, uh, no. And I think that was part of it, too. It was like, oh, yeah, like, there are 200-plus people in this room right now. Like, it's a lot easier to wing
1: it when it was smaller, you know? Right. Um, do you do stand-up? Like, is that, because you have your hand in a lot of different baskets. So is stand-up a thing that you do, or is that just kind of something you, you put time to when a roast battle is coming up?
0: You know, I haven't done it in a while. Uh, I've done it like a handful of times. I've had some good ones. I've had some bad ones. I don't think it's necessarily my particular skill set. Yeah. I think maybe the more I'd get, you know, if I was willing to put in that, those, those hours, like the way, you know, comedians do that yeah. go to open mics, you got to keep on your craft. And I think, like you said, I'm kind of all over the place. Um, and I've had some, I actually did my first run at one of Buck D's shows when he used to be back at Nexus. And okay. he gave me the platform, and I had a good one. Then I got on a couple other shows. And, man, it was a lot of fun, you know? Um, I think I had some Tinder material, which is, like, <laughs> now, like, the worst thing you could possibly do. Um, but, you know, I had some fun with it. And it was something, like, it's a love that I have. But, you know, I can tell people who are really, really good at that. And I had some presence, but it's just not on that level. I think my my skill set is kind of like videos, you know, comedy videos, videos. Um, I like roasting. My background kind of is I used to do rap battles.
1: Oh, wow. And okay. we used
0: to, used to be UBR um, in Albuquerque, and we threw rap battle scenes. And that's kind of like shaped my whole life because that's how I got into marketing. Um, but I took that route. In rap battles, I was doing the funny route. You know, like you don't look yeah. at me, and I'm going to be like, I pulled out my gun. And you know <laughs> what I mean? Like that's just not what's going to work. Yeah. And even when I tried to be kind of serious, it was like, shut up, dude. Um <laughs> And that's what led me to actually getting an opportunity. Um, They were doing an event. It was like comedy,
1: comedians against rap battlers at the Comedy Store in Hollywood. I'm proud to announce that the podcast is now officially sponsored by the fine people over at Chop Chili Company. Guys, this is some of the best chili you can get here in the state of New Mexico, and they are online as well as in stores. They can be found at Smith's, Albertson's, Sprout's. John Brooks, and Lowe's Corner Market. They have three amazing flavors that you see here, and they also have frozen green chili that you can get online. Go on over to the website, chopchilico.com, and get yourself some amazing chili today podcast is now officially sponsored by the amazing people over at High Desert Relief, a premier herbal destination right here in the state of New Mexico. They have extremely well-trained and knowledgeable staff that are more than happy to help you find what you're looking for or try something that you maybe have never thought of. Uh, They have two locations here in Albuquerque, one in Santa Fe. All three will be listed right here and in the description of this episode. All three offering legendary products at absolutely legendary prices, including this awesome merch that they were so kind enough to gift me here. All of this can be found at all three of their locations. Again, big thank you to the guys over at HDR for supporting. Now back to the episode. Oh, wow.
0: So they have the roast battles there every Tuesday, you know, and Jeff Ross hosts that. They, get, they bring people up. And so I got invited to do that and um you know how long ago was that that was before i started throwing them here that was 2018 there october october 2018 and i went out there and it was against another dude and he bombed man and like i had a couple i had a couple good jokes i tried to wing it on the last one too and that one bombed but i ended up winning the roast battle um and you know it was it was crazy just to be in there. It was in the belly room.
1: I was going to say, what was it like being at the Comedy Store, being able to perform, it was, perform there?
0: It was bigger than bigger than life almost. I walk in there and I'm like, you know, looking at, looking at all the signatures on the wall, looking at the pictures, right? And the main room has a huge uh, just, you know, eruption of the crowd. And it must have been the end of a set or whatever, right? And I'm like about to walk in. And then, boom, here comes this guy coming around the corner. He just he walks around the corner and it's Joe Rogan. He had just been on stage and he's walking out of the room. And we kind of like, oh, my bad. And I was like, you know, I'm just like, what? And he's like, looking around, I got to get the fuck out of this hallway, is what he says. <laughs> and, and he does, you know, and I'm just kind of like, what?
1: Because
0: I just walked in there, you know, like, damn, I'm going to get to perform here. It's my first time. And, you know, there's legends in there. I remember I walked to the next room, Theo Vaughn's on stage kind of just going around you're seeing faces that you're like and it's just everyone's hanging out cool vibe and um then being upstairs in the belly room man it's an intimate setting it's hilarious like and i mean uh, chappelle did one of his specials in there um you know i think what it was short. I, I can't remember the name of that one but just to be in that room was mind-blowing you know um and it was an eye-opening experience it was something where i was like damn i'd love to go back I knew I needed a lot of work on that piece. And also to be like, well, maybe I'll work on my material and I could get five minutes and, you know, do that. And it's just not something I ever really stuck with. But how did you end up getting invited in the first place? It was because I took the comedy approach like in the rap battles and we had we had connections. So we threw them out here in Albuquerque to UBR, but there was a rap battle scene in L.A. Courtesy of Kotd, which is a battle league out of Toronto that was sponsored by Drake. Like, there's a whole subculture, and so I had done some Ground Zero, which was like tryout battles for Kotd. So I'd done some in LA and in Seattle, and just like done other small events in other places. And that was my approach was just comedy, you know. And so when they, we had a connection of a guy who's like working at the comedy store who loved rap battles, and so he kind of opened this route up where it was like, let's do. Rap battlers against comedians in the roast battle format. And so I just got the opportunity. Um, And that was just pretty crazy. And I will say, like, I was sort of the only ones that won, but I was like an opener. I was the opener of the night. I was the lowest tier. And the comedians destroyed all the other rap battlers. Oh, yeah. They, as expected. Yeah. It was like, oh, this is embarrassing. And, um, (laughs) but it was so, it was so cool, man. And, um, like, That's when I got back and I wanted to go, you know, go there and be on, you know, you're on stage for three minutes, five minutes. And like, I'm not getting paid to go do that. And as much as I would love to go do that, I can't afford to go out there every Tuesday or even every six months. But it was like, well, what if I just started throwing those events here? Because I helped throw the rap battle events in Albuquerque. That was like, I knew everything about, you know, book the venue, get the lineup. Like, it was the same thing, just a different genre. Get them, you know. Like, it really yeah. was. And less drama. Like, <laughs> dealing with local rappers mixed with <laughs> dealing with uh, comedians is a much easier experience. And so that was kind of just how it started. Um, but, you know, I would love now to go back or to even book one of those guys. Because, like, I mean, the, the room that we have, it's so much bigger than, like, the belly room. That's really intimate, but we're packing out a whole building,
1: you know? That would be... That would be fucking crazy if in the big, right before a rap or rap battle, Rose uh, roast battle began. Oh, as a special guest celebrity host, it's Jeff Ross. Like, yeah, dude, that'd be fuck?
0: crazy, dude. Right, like Tony Hinchcliffe or yeah. like I would. Lo- I mean, Tony Hinchcliffe literally walked up at the end of my roast battle. He's was like, that was the worst thing I've ever seen. Like, <laughs> I mean, Jeff Ross gave me the W. <laughs> I was up against the dude who um, he was. He he was Hispanic on a plant-based diet, and I said, you grew up to be a, a vegan. Or I said, you only became a vegan because you grew up saying yo soy. <laughs> and that one that one smacked. I can't even remember some of the other material. But yeah, well, I bombed right at the end when I tried to like wing it. like I was trying to rebuttal.
1: Yeah.
0: And then Tony Hinchcliffe was just like, ew. <laughs> 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 but I was like, whatever, Tony Hinchcliffe was talking about me. Yeah, that's uh, funny. I mean what you know, it was just a funny experience and just to be in there was an honor. Yeah. You know? To I'll take that. No. Oh, percent yeah. And I probably talked about it too many times at this point where I definitely got it from the comedians. They're like, yeah, we get it, dude. Fuck it. <laughs> I mean,
1: fuck it. You you went to the comedy store, you met some pretty cool people, you had a good experience. That's I talked about that shit too. That's fucking yeah, awesome. Man. You know, and like
0: um another event like Buck D, man, he rocked that set. Like they loved him out there. And then um another dude, Ronnie. From out here, who's like the was like the biggest like battle rapper out of Albuquerque, and got a lot of opportunities as he grew. He beat Carter Deems in a in a battle at the comedy store, and now Carter Deems is on Wild and Out. He's like the this like awkward dude. Yeah, I've right? heard
1: the name, but I couldn't put a face to it. Yeah,
0: so like we have some good roots. We made some impact in the subculture that is the degenerate culture that is (laughs) battle rap. But, um, yeah, it's kind of crazy how that impacted. And I was like, that shaped my life, like being involved in that because it got me involved in comedy, writing songs. And then that's when I was like, Oh, I could do marketing. So I was working a job I didn't like. And I was like, wait, I'm learning graphic design, doing photography, throwing events. Like, am I not doing this already?
1: Right. That makes sense. So, and that's a question I have for a lot of both entertainers and, uh, like producers here Mm -hmm. is how did you go about marketing the first rap battle here in Albuquerque and how has that evolved? Because it seems like putting, getting the word out about local shows, getting asses in seats, like it, it seems almost impossible. Yeah. You know, like for a lot of different, like there's levels to it obviously. Mm -hmm. But I mean, again, like I've seen, like, so we've been talking about Buck, I've seen him, advertise shows and they get packed out and I've seen a couple where it's like not as much as expected. So it's like how how do you gauge marketing is working and then I uh, let's, let's start with the original question. How did you first start marketing the rap battles or uh roast battles here mm. and then how has that changed?
0: Yeah, I mean that's a great question. So I
1: I knew from doing the
0: rap battles before and I didn't start that. That's all uh Keith Valia Avenue who brought the rap battles to Albuquerque. Um but for the roast battles when I brought it, I, what I learned was, you know, you get matchups and you like if you just book friends against friends, like you're just going to get that group of friends. You know, like I was like, I want to try to get as many people who are in different cliques because that's another thing I see in other scenes. Whether it's music scene, comedy, like everyone clicks up. Yeah. Everyone has that group and they go to that show. and Then there's this, you know. So I'm just like, let me tap into every single one bring them together. Like you create community that way. It's also a good marketing plan, but like, so that was kind of how I went for it. It was like, let's get people from different groups just to get involved and introduce it. And also like, I'm new to the scene. So this will help, you know, get me out there if I'm really kind of pulling from all the different venues, so on and so forth. And, um. The hardest part was getting a venue. I did it at uh, Red Velvet Underground. And I don't know if you ever I've went heard, to that Velvet. I've venue. heard the name. I've never, I never went, but yeah. i heard of it. Man, that place is crazy. Like, I know, like, they used to throw vets and I don't need to talk all that shit, but dude, the carpet on the walls, it was like a thrift store too. Smell like <laughs> someone died there. <laughs> and, like, oh, it's just the weirdest little place, but we packed it out. And, um, you know, we probably got almost like 100 people in there. I don't know, something like that. Like, it felt packed because it was in there. And the quality well, of the roast battles. 100
1: people in your first go.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think, like, I was able to pull a lot from the rap battle scene because I knew, like, pulled some of these different people. I still had a little bit of that draw and then pulling some just from different comedians. And just made it a big deal because it was like, this is the first ever thing. There is something about that when it's new, the novelty, yeah, you know, and you got to capitalize on that while it's new in people's
1: hearts because that doesn't
0: last forever.
1: Did you ever, did you ever think about having to combat like, because that's, that's the right way to look at it. It's like, okay, this is the first thing that's going to be continuing. Yeah. But then there's the other point of view on that. I was like, yeah, okay. It's the first thing. It might not be that great. I'll catch you on your second, third or fourth try. Was right. there any type of like, um, negotiating that point of view too? Yeah, I mean there's like definitely against, people yeah. yeah, there's definitely like people who didn't go, you know, that were like, oh, I want to get it
0: like the next one. I didn't know what it was. They're like waiting to see footage and this, like this and that. And I think there were a few after that, like we we had some momentum, but they weren't as big after that. There was a little bit of a lull like getting also like there were some people who embarrassed themselves in that first event. They were like, I'm
1: Never again. I was gonna say what was the what was the quality of the comedy for the first one? Mm, Not good. Like
0: maybe like one (laughs) good battle, you know. And I won't even say any names. No, you don't have to. There was people. There was some good ones. Um, I lost to Kendra. A battle ended up against Kendra Brand. We like was neck and neck. But when I watch it back, I'm like, oof. Um, Buck beat Danger. Danger tried to rap at him. It was real weird. There was, oh man, I can't remember it. There was, I shouldn't even be name dropping like that, but there was. That's what happened. You that's know? funny. As there shit. was, uh, but yeah, Buck doesn't roast battle anymore. He's and you know he hosts it. He's kind of facilitates the whole evening, yeah. really. And um, well, he gets but, to poke and prod and roast all night. Oh man, he makes it like a yeah. next level show, you know. Yeah. And I'm I'm so appreciative of Buck for that. Um, but yeah, it started off that way, and then I can't remember if we did another one or the next one, I did like a roast of myself, which was kind of comical that I hosted a roast of myself, which was like, come on, dude. Um, But we experienced some roast battles there. And then after that, we started going to tractor. So we did tractor Wells park for a while. And that was 40, 50 people. I wasn't charging. I was just like, whoever has the best performance could get like, I wasn't, it wasn't there yet. And that was kind of where it was kind of hitting a stalemate of just like the, the facilitation of the event i think i was drinking a lot more i was just like i'm just here to party we'll see what happens (laughs) you know and we probably did like six shows over there six to eight and they were kind of like sometimes it was 80 sometimes it was 30 people it was still a good show but i didn't really look to take it to that next level yet and i think that's what happens i think the issue of throwing a show is you get stuck in the mediocrity of like what works or just like, I'll just throw another show or, you know, like what do people want to see? You got to be asking. And that's all marketing is really is like, why do I give a fuck? Or why should you give a fuck? Right. Like, let me make this clear of, you know, when I've tried to do like a two on two, that's interesting. Or I'll throw in just like, I don't want to say gimmicks, but just something to be like, oh, that's a little different this time. And that what also elevated it was, you know, having a bigger room was nice. But I think like making, uh, making the matchups fit where like the comedians are excited to talk about it, where they're getting the opportunity like this is a matchup I want. I could talk. I could make promotional videos. And also the same thing. I'm tapping into different friend groups. I'm trying. You know, there's a part where it's like sometimes I can't get people to want to do it. Sometimes they have a rough go and they're like, ah, give me a break. Yeah. But. The next thing was just elevating the show, making it entertaining. I was like, all right, let me get a DJ. Like there needs to be music and sa- like stuff going on while there's the lulls. you know, having good stand up to open, having Buck really lean into being the host and getting to have fun with it. And then it's like, you create a community with that because people know that the whole thing is going to be fun. Like going back to that word fun, It' was like, Buck makes it fun, no matter what's happening. You have music on the in between. That's fun. Like you can, and it's good music. Like I don't have, you know, shout out DJ Uncle Native. He's he makes the show a lot more entertaining. And then having good stand-up comics, having the judges be consistent, because that kind of form a relationship too. We can have some special guests, but you know, there's still been lulls. Another thing I would say with throwing shows is quality over quantity. You know, I know we all want to do the. Or the venues want to have that weekly show or they want to have that monthly yeah. thing. But I like to do I think my sweet spot with the roast battles now, and if we had a shitload of comedians who wanted to do it we and a smaller room, I could do it more often. But now I'm trying to do it three months. Every three months it keeps people motivated to do it. It makes people
1: miss it. Yeah. And it's a quality show. I was gonna say, like, you only you only have so many comedians, and this isn't talking down, this isn't a knock, but you only have so many comedians here that that, like you said, they're willing to do it and then have the skill to do it. It's it's t- like stand ups already hard. Yeah. And then on top of that, it's it's the perfect mixture. Of, okay, how good of a writer are you? How well do you know your opponent? how are you how much research are you able to do? How much can you do you know what to research? And then it's you have to be on the fly and you have to work on what's if ha- you have to be able to work, what's happening in the moment. And then yeah. there's so it's such a weird tornado of skill. And I will say what was really
0: interesting too was that skill elevated when we got to Revel because when we had smaller venues and smaller crowds, we could have quicker one-liner jokes. And uh, you look like you look like, and it was a lot easier. I gotta say when it once it elevated and the level of skill with Revel, it was like okay, here's a bigger crowd. Like I need to captivate you with the story, basically. Yeah. Like not too long, but like there's a clear narrative here. Yeah. Or and performance. You know, and I think that's when it really was like, Okay, either you got it or you don't. Because the old the people who were really good in the first events weren't as good.
1: In front of a big crowd.
0: Yeah. Right. And it's been crazy to so like, yeah, like the talent that's with it and also seeing the people that like got really, really good at it. Um, Trip Stelnicky is someone who like I've seen that dude's a
1: fucking killer. Yeah. And I've seen him
0: like just get so good at those events, right? And then like someone new is like the dude, uh, Dave Corvette.
1: Yeah. He's funny. Yeah. And
0: I saw him a year ago at One Liner Madness and he hadn't really done stand up yet or he was just about to start. And I just saw him do one joke and I was like, that dude would be really good for roasting. So I just went up, said, what's up? He to try it. And he just had a knack for it. So the first one he did in the summer of last year, he killed it. And then just had him back, and he was, he was hanging up there, you know, like he hung, like he almost beat trip, yeah. And as a second, yeah. And so it's, it is crazy to start to like find people out there, but it is like a sense of storytelling and a stage presence that some people are built
1: for that, you know. Yeah. No, I agree, and I think going, scheduling it in that mindset of like, hey, we're going to, I think the best part about it is make people miss it because I remember we were talking at One Liner Madness was like, yeah, it's been a couple of months, I yeah. think. When's the next one going to come out? When's the next thing going to happen? And I think it, building the building the want, building the the uh, urgency for it, I, that fixes the problem of not having it because we're not a huge comedy scene yet. Mm-hmm. Like we're not there to where it's like you could do a monthly show like that. Uh, I think we will be. I think you have like two years or so um, provided that you know Dry Heat keeps its momentum, Casadas keeps its momentum, and if we ever do end up getting hyenas and just more people just get into comedy, because mm-hmm. um, generally speaking, I mean, of course, you'll have somebody like Trevor Noah or uh, Kevin Hart come through; they'll always sell out. Like that's right. their household names. That's how it's going to be. But getting like the lower, like real, like comedy club level events going it might take a little bit but then stuff like stuff like uh what you're doing what dry heat's doing it's just going to get elevated like crazy it's only going to gain momentum with time right um when you're going into marketing it now how do you push it out what strategies do you have because again like it's just it's like word of mouth is a big thing here in albuquerque but then also convince people to go to a local show like, I remember, I uh, I think one of the last conferences I went to, I told my friend about and like, oh, where did you go see comedy? I let him know. I'm like, oh, yeah, we went to one comedy show here. Wasn't that great? And then I asked him, I was like, well, did you go to a comedy show or did you go to an open mic? Because there is a difference. Like, what, what did you go to? Like, oh, we don't know. I'm like, oh, well, that's a bigger issue than anything else. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, exactly. So how are you marketing and how are you getting uh, more people to talk about it?
0: Yeah, I think... There's like, I kind of look at this, the same thing with like work. It's like you look at the different channels and I try to be like, well, the, how many different ways can I get it in front of people's faces? And so, yeah, it's like the typical, like, oh, post it on Instagram, right? And I've done it where it's taking clips and you make some quick videos. Or I've done skits. I did one with Johnny James where we we're talking about it and I had him as a special guest. So like there's great ways to do cross promotion. I encourage that. And I try not to ask the comedians to be like, can you make a funny video to promote this event? I, sometimes if I'm like, all right, I don't know how this is going to go. If you guys could share it this week, that's cool. you know. But I try not to bug like that unless no, it's like uh, that, that way. And I, I want people to participate. Because what I've learned is that the, instead of you like asking people to do it, it's more of set it by example. So what I do on my own pages, yeah. I'll do gimmick posts where I'm Photoshopping where things you swipe and then you see – you see the uh, the flyer, or I've done skit. I for this last event, I did some meta skit where I'm like trying to tell myself, yeah, about this, you know. So I'll do that, and it kind of sets. I think lead by example. If I'm going to ask you to promote the event, I better fucking promote it, you know. Yeah, I agree with that. And so then, with that being said, I also have excellent partners in the situation. Is like I got Buck on the show, I got Zach on the show, I got Sarah on the show. Those are three audiences that helped. Like those are huge people in the scene of just word of mouth, right? And, like, I try to make sure it's all win, win, win solution for everyone. But I don't really – like, I just know that I ha- by having them involved is a huge asset and a huge strength of Because the they have their own pool, right? Exactly. And they have their own pool, and it gives it credibility, too, yeah. you know? But then also having Revel as a partner, like, I can get them to promote it. I can get them to promote it. I also use my Hold My Ticket, like, account. Like, people do look for events on there, and so – Making sure your events on hold my ticket, and then when I have sold tickets, like basically that platform does generate an email list for you. So, anytime someone buys a ticket and they answer that email, you have that contact and you oh, have the ability wow. to send out email blasts once a day on there without any charge. Now, if you wanted to send it more, and I don't encourage do not do that, you will spend like no one wants a fucking email every day. I promise yeah. you don't like be no. sparingly for sure. But if someone's bought a ticket from you before, you have already like. It's way easier to maintain a customer than attain a new one, right? right, right? right. Nurture that. And I think, and you already know, like, they're interested. So they're all little things. I wouldn't say each one is like, oh, this is why everything worked for the event. You know what I mean? I just say that it's like, figure out the different ways you can drop this. I got a Facebook event. I got Rebel sharing it. I have. Different comedians who can share. Also, like having roast battles is nice because you have twelve people on the show, but it's not a fourteen-hour show, you know, or right. something like. It's not too long because it's battles are quick, quick sets. So that's a huge asset. And I think, you know, the big thing. And also shout out to Sarah Dryhe, Kelly, and like other people that are, and and Buck who does the Gong Show. It's like make it an experience, not just like oh they go on the stage. It's like these are. Gong Show, One-Liner Madness, The um, obviously the Don't Tell events. There is that one where at Dry Heat they had them like tape them to the wall. I I don't know. There's just so many creative ideas, especially coming out of Dry Heat, how to make it a show. And I encourage that because like, why? The gang goes back to think like, why do I give a fuck? Why do I care as a consumer? It's like, I could go to that comedy show. They'll stand on stage and tell jokes or they'll go tell jokes over there. But no one else has this format and it's something i like going back to marketing as like a a, an idea is like you got the magic or you got the commodity the commodity is the thing that everyone else has that could sell it for a cheaper price essentially if we're going product but like you know if you're just doing a regular old show and everyone else is too you're not setting yourself apart right right?
1: and again because because we're not at that level of uh of a comedy like audience here in albuquerque you you have to say a part like that you're completely right because i think a lot of people here in albuquerque are still with the mindset like oh yeah i could go pay 15 20 dollars or whatever, go see like a radio stand-up show or i could just stay home and watch it on netflix mm-hmm. and there's no difference mm-hmm. which if you've been to live comedy you know you know there's a huge difference but if you're very casual or uh, just non-consumer of the live aspect you don't really yeah you don't have the same like appreciation
0: right, right. and like something that like if you have an event where you're you took your group of friends and you're like it's gonna be fun and it's like really fun and everyone was like damn i had such like you've created something bigger i think throwing events kind of like alchemy like it is a form of witchcraft in a way it's like you don't there's not even a tangible thing but it's like i got all of you to come into this room and to focus on this thing and you're all gonna have a shared experience of that and it's gonna affect your mood And like as woo-woo or whatever the fuck that sounds like, like throwing events, there is like a spell to it. It is a magic in in its own way. And to have something unique where people are like, I want that feeling again. And that's the only place I can go to get that feeling. That's a strength, you know? And I think that goes across in any brand, any comedian, any show. And I I don't know if I'm if I'm nerding out a little bit too much, but like that is really like I think that's what it is. It's, it's with anyone. It's like, it's life, man. Like folk, like what makes you, you, what makes you different? Because that's also like when it comes down to a price or when you're trying to get paid for something, it's like, yes, someone can do this thing. We all can, whether it's marketing or yeah, I could do a comedy set or I do custom body builds of a car. Like, What's gonna set you apart is that you have a unique process. There's like something that's like, yeah, you can go to someone else, but you're not gonna get what I provide. Because right. only I do this. That is always gonna be the strength. And that can just be as like you as a human being. Right. Business, show, anything. So like that's what I think looking back at throwing an event, it's like, okay, well, like if you're just throwing a regular comedy event that's just like an open mic at a brewery, like think of something to make that unique. Right, and I think that's gonna do more for you than any Instagram post, any ad, yeah. any of those things. Like because well, then you're, you're you're tapping directly into word of mouth. Yeah, exactly, and that's always gonna be the most powerful, honestly. Like, and and you'll get people who become loyal for that thing, and you, like that is most of the work. That's the upfront work you do. That work upfront, man. Like, you're you kind of can take a step. Because I gotta say, now marketing events, I don't have to do that much because I know exactly like announce it two months before or at least a month before. Like, I always think, like, if you're promoting an event two weeks, you just launched it, like, you're already fucked. Yeah. You're already fucked. That's a quick
1: time crunch. Yeah,
0: yeah, unless you have some, like, event that everyone knows about, you know? And then it's like, okay, get the flyer out. If you could kind of have a second announcement or if you have any sort of video piece, then you try to get, like, the collective of people to talk about it, like, get that word spread. Because, like, if you get one person to bring one friend and that one friend brings one friend you know it's a spider web if, if you have a good amount of
1: people involved as in a show what was like the biggest hurdle cause you've learned a lot of lessons obviously what is like the biggest hurdle you had to get over not just not just marketing uh, roast battles just in general like in your marketing career so far what was like the biggest lesson you had to learn the biggest like oh shit why that's so obvious why didn't I think of that or that type of stuff um i think there's like
0: two ways to answer this um for me what my breakthrough was was like like know your worth and go for it because i i was at the i'm at santa fe brewing right and i started as a marketing coordinator who had done other work and i worked at an ad agency i got trained by like brilliant minds but i was still green i was still new and what like, were you doing at the ad agency I was really helping the ad agency market themselves. I was doing PR and getting the owners um, or the the leaders of the company booked to do speaking gigs and radio okay. interviews, talk about their books. And then I got involved with some of the creative aspect, and and I learned a lot there. But I think what really broke out is when I was at the um, when I got to the brewery it was like wanting to I wanted to make funny videos because I was like we can post photos of beer, but no one really gives a fuck. Right. Like right. if I'm scrolling, I don't care about that. Yeah. But like someone who shows <laughs> me authentically who you are, like, what do you, cause people support brands that they see themselves in flat out. That's marketing. Like you support the thing you may not think it, but you buy the shit that relates to you. You know what right. I mean? Like any person out there, they don't have to believe in it, but it's happening. And so be the voice. Be the mirror of the people you want to support. Luckily, the brand of Santa Fe Brewing is kind of exactly like me. Like I'm self-deprecating. I was say, in, what, in what way? <laughs> like I'm a weird. I like meta humor. Yeah. I'm self-deprecating. I do like. I take my work very seriously, but I do not take myself seriously. So like yeah. we have a quality product. That's but, a good way to live. Yeah, exactly. So it's like we have quality product, but we can be ourselves. We're not gonna like be buttoned up and be like, we dry hopped this in the fucking fountain of youth. You know what I mean? <laughs> and like,
1: like that weird. I- well, that's like the biggest. Um, that's like the biggest like drag on breweries right now. Anyway, is like okay, yeah, you know how to make a beer or like the people that are like beer snobs they go to yeah. breweries. They only they only drink brewery beer and they only that. It's like yeah. shut the. F-. It's the. It's the very happy bread water that yeah. makes us drunk. Yeah, okay. it's yeah, it's
0: like the guys who ask when you're wearing a band shirt, like, which songs do you know? You know what I mean? It's those guys, you know? <laughs> yeah. How many songs do you even know? So, like, I think the hurdle there for me was trusting in myself to be like, this is what I, th- like, I actually had, I, I didn't get the approval totally to do it. I just went and made friends with the brewmaster. We were doing some stuff during the pandemic, like Q&A live, and we are both like, this is so boring.
1: You know, <laughs> And
0: I found out about a skit that he really liked on the internet. It's Paul Rudd talking to himself on the Hot Ones interview. Have you ever seen his Hot oh, Ones? Oh, yeah. They yeah. edit it to make himself look yeah. like he's talking. And so I was like, I just knew that he loved it. So I was like, let's remake that. Just nice. you talking to yourself? Because I knew he'd say yes. Right. And so we did it, and it did well, and then we went for it. So I think it was like trusting myself and and going for something where you're like, be the authentic, yeah. you know? Like make... and. Be true to the audience because that's not going to work for everyone. Like comedy sets aren't going to work for a law firm unless you're Better Call Saul or that one <laughs> dude from out here who actually leaned into it. I forget his name, but like Adam Oaky or something. Oh, uh, Oakley, Adam Oakley. Uh, yeah, right. he's yeah. like leaned into that. Um, and then that was kind of like my break. But I think for marketing, it's like really like, are you, are you really trying? I think like I got to a point where it was like, it was working, but I was still like, for, I was like drinking, hanging out. I really wasn't pushing myself. And I think when you take, you can build yourself a strategy and you can really build a good plan. You get 90% out of the work out of the way, because then when you're making decisions and doing things on a day-to-day basis, you can ask yourself,
1: does this align with that plan right. and the strategy? And if it doesn't, it's a quick like, okay, don't do it. Well, something like marketing is so self-driven and it's, uh, it's, it's something you can kind of phone in and do unless right. you're working for a like a multi-billion dollar of you know, fortune 50 company right. that everyone already knows and trusts and you can put out absolute shit and people will still buy it
0: right it's crazy cuz like those right. agencies charge so much for that too yeah. and like oh, yeah. it happens you know cuz they right. kind of have the respect of the agency but yeah it's you have to have like
1: a bud light level blunder to right. really fuck things up yeah, if you're seriously. one of those companies you know what i mean seriously so
0: no no you're, you you really hit it on the head like and I appreciate that because even running stuff like social media campaigns, and you could have other jobs or you could do other pieces. Like, the thing about social media is that like you got to hit every week because then you don't, the algorithm is like, all right, bye. Like, it, you will get less favorites, isn't it? Like, yeah. And people forget quickly. You could, we've had viral videos. I mean, I just checked this one has 1.2 million right now. And I'm like, hell yeah. I'm like, no one gives a shit about that right now, though, because that happened. That already is done with. Like, no one's
1: watching it right. again you know yeah. how how would you because i g- generally speaking because because again the algorithm is so intangible and it's so right. weird to rope around and unless again you're a big trusted name or partner celebrity whatever it's hard to like the most random things will go viral yeah like there have been reels that i've put out i was like oh that might do actually pretty well that's that's a good reel okay cool And because I never, only recently have I started thinking about like what would go viral or what Mm -hmm. I've I've always been in the mind of what's gonna put my guests in the best light. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, But then just the weirdest shit will go viral, and some like I had one go go and go too crazy. It got like ninety thousand views on Instagram, and it was uh, uh, my the guest I had on. She was talking about because she was working in a hospital, and she had a mom and a kid come in. The kid was like fourteen. And cause they came in due to like heroin ODs and the kid had said like, yeah, my mom gave me heroin at 14 for my birthday. So he has something to do together. And so that one, yeah. So that one went in the 90,000, but like half the reason, like, well actually like half the reason it did, I think. And then like 90% of the comment section was just shitting on me for being a bad host apparently. So Ooh. it was like, yes, that was funny. And then it was, I actually got a laugh at it. Cause that was what I would do. is I would scroll through all of them. Like I would like every single one of them. So they knew I was looking at it <laughs> It pissed somebody off. It was like, uh, he must be getting off on this because he's liking all of this. I need you to know you are not a good host or not a good person. I was like, oh, okay. Well, you viewed the shit and you commented on it, so thank you. But then on the other hand, I just had one hit like 3 million, and it's me and my idiot friends laughing at a fake clip. Wow. And it's like, why did that get picked up when there's like hundred, not hundreds, but like dozens of others that I've put up, right? I would argue are like better content in general, right. but is it, right is it because of how dumb it is is because it there's multiple things on the screen is it because like what the fuck are we doing here right so oh, like, yeah that's so, a good point too. you know you know what i mean so like i set all that up to ask like generally speaking what's your mindset when you're creating content or you're helping uh with marketing stuff and like what general social media tips advice would you give to like hey Here's kind of, because again, I don't think anyone who says this is how you build your thing. This is how you, you can get 10,000 in a, but I think that's all bullshit. It's total bullshit. I think it's complete and total fucking bullshit. So how, generally speaking, what has worked for you in the past and what kind of nudges you in the right way? Cause I don't, I don't think there is a true North when it comes to social media. I think true North changes all over the yeah, compass every exactly. day. So like what helps you get in the ballpark? I mean, First
0: of all, I was super on point. Um, I it's anyone who's claiming to be a guru or anything like, and maybe they do have a formula that works. It won't work in six months because yep. things
1: change well, so quickly. Well, what I think is fucking hilarious, kind of on that note, is the people that have hundreds of thousands of followers, and you look at their actual engagement, because I think. I forget who was I watching. I think it was some it was some ex uh, like special forces guy that had a I think it was like Tim Kennedy or some shit and they were talking about social media engagement. He started getting shadow banned and stuff. And uh they're like, "Yeah, if you have 30% of your audience engaging or you're showing 30% engagement, that's stellar. Like yeah. that's phenomenal because you don't know how many of your followers are like dead accounts or people that just don't really get on social media much anymore. Mm. If they're bots, if they're whatever it is, and that's removing the whole shadow banning thing. But what I think is hilarious is that, you know, people that have a shit ton of followers, hundreds of thousands, and they have like a hundred likes, 50 likes and it's like oh, okay are we buying Yeah, that, are those we, are paid for sure. Yeah, those are paid
0: are. followers like unless like some some there are some shadow banning for sure like that can hurt you but like at that point you're still going to get more than that if you're a huge page. So there is so much like fake. Yeah, people do it for the clout even if, and it's like dude, it's so obvious but whatever makes them sleep better, you know. Yeah. I think I think like brand I'm I'm someone who's super brand first uh like who what is your brand who are you and like who's watching your videos and like it doesn't always have to be on point but it'd be like would you represent this like your brand is an extension of of you and also if if yeah. people or if it's even a character people want to you know they if you have a target audience they align with that and so if they they want to support something that they align with you know you're going to give them more of, of those pieces and I think telling that authentic story, giving them real looks of your life. But I think really where the shift has happened, because I would say two or three years ago, it'd be like comedy skits that are like formatted where to be like top five ways to do this or the five stages of this or, you know, random shit like that where it's like easy for someone to digest right away and be like, right. I want to see this. I relate to this. Oh, they get it. They understand that I've seen someone just like that. I think more and more like people want less polished stuff. Like, I like to learn videography because it's a craft and I think like doing that is great. But like people want iPhone content. People want to see, you know, for the most part, like it's not always like that. I think also podcasting content, like because it feels also like I think people get to see clips of things and they're like, well, if this is a clip from a podcast, it must be something good because if they're showing this, it must have been a good soundbite. So I think there's formats that work for people. People build series. And I think like building a series, that's a hard thing to do. But if you just have like a weird thing where you go to every Chili's in America, you know what I mean? Like for like that will somehow become something if you dedicate and continue to do it and make it entertaining. So I think those are those are the pieces. But yeah, people want more stuff that feels authentically caught in the moment. And I think like I almost try to do it in a meta way, not where I'm trying to like fake people out. But I think you know, like people do fake pranks and all that kind of shit, and and a lot of those people are
1: gonna end up getting fucking shot or stabbed. Have, yeah, have you seen some more? Like they go to the hood and they like yell something close to the N word, or they go up to some who's some guy who's obviously a gang member, yeah. and they act like they're gonna pull out a gun, or they or they they do like a like a play on words about like blood or Crip or. Uh, fighting or shooting or something like that. Like, oh no, it's a prank. Oh, yeah, there's a camera. And yeah, people, it's like all for the
0: clout. It's, it's so not weird, man. Good. I know. And the people <laughs> out there, you know, even like giving money to someone who's down bad, you know, or like. You know, giving money to a homeless person but filming it, that's fucking weird. And it is strange. It is it's a weird thing because also like as much as I'm like weird about the people watching it, I'm also like or like weird about people making it. There's also people watching that stuff, which is also
1: like that's weird. Um but well, people like seeing the general like um how do I put this? People enjoy because you're talking about authenticity, right? And I think that is a direct um, a direct response to the – because, again, the, the short attention span and what social media has done to just fucking wreck our brains, mm-hmm. especially TikTok, that's never going to go away. But what's interesting to me, and I don't think we're going to know anything real about this in our lifetime, provided we're still around in another 100 years. I think they're going to look back on the social media age we're in right now and be like, okay, here's clearly where it split. Here's why it happened. And then I think one of the biggest – um, I forget what it's called, but it's like a, a subject that like a philosopher would ask themselves and they build upon, right? Is why is it that at the same period of time you had TikTok who the most viral videos go between five to 15, 20 seconds or just as popular as three hour long podcasts? Like you saw that Rogan renewed his shit with Spotify, yeah. right? $250 million. Yeah. I love Joe Rogan. Well, I'd like to see some of that money go elsewhere on the platform, maybe. But then that also speaks to like, how much reach does he actually have? Oh, yeah. Like, how many? Because they see the numbers. I think it's, it's bigger. Like, it's probably bigger than broadcast. Anybody's got to. Oh, be. it is. It had, Oh, yeah, for sure. It definitely
0: is. Like by um, yeah, a huge amount, and it, like broadcast news, radio. I, all that I would shit's just.
1: Going down. I, but now that that new deal with him is going to like Apple, and it's going to Google Pods. or no, they shut down Google Pods. It's going to Apple. It's going YouTube. to uh, YouTube again. Um, I would just love to see, like, you know, they're asking, like, they always ask Trump, show your tax returns. I would love to see the streaming numbers for Rogan. Yeah. I would just love to see it because, like, so anyway, I'm, I'm, my point bringing this up is how is it that polar opposites are skyrocketing in popularity at the same time? And I think it's because people want the authenticity, like you were saying earlier, and people want to see, hum- like, actual human success. Or people want to see people feel good. Right. And maybe that's because they feel good and they know how good that is or because they feel like shit. And they want to know, they want to see that elsewhere anyway, right? They want to see that feeling good aspect of life anyway. Um, yeah, and I th- and I think what's that's what's so good. I'm just thinking about the authenticity part. Of I think that's what's so good about your like, about the roast battles is because like would it be awesome to get a big name in there? Of course. Like if you said Jeff Ross, Brian Moses, Tony Hinchcliffe, right? Uh, I would shit a fucking chicken. Like I would embarrass the fuck out of my girlfriend. Like because she knows I love comedy, but yeah. I would embarrass the fuck. i mean,
0: oh my god. Right. But
1: you know it's people still love seeing and, and what I love about like, cause there's like, and I talked about this with Buck at both on and off the podcast about like, how do you dress for a comedy show? What kind of professionals do you bring? What I love about a roast battle is there is no dress code. So you have people showing up in a costume. You have people showing up kind of nice. Like you show, they can show up looking like a regular dude. And there's that level of relatability. It was like, Oh, well maybe I could do this. He doesn't look super fancy. She doesn't look super like high, like, you know, high society or whatever. They don't look like that. that they're not millionaires and they're still doing it. Well, what if I could do it? It's like right. that type of shit that you bring to your, you bring to your product where it helps connect to people and, like you're, and you hit up the nail right on the head. Also, when you said that, you know, do you want to promote, like, would, would you use your own brand? Would you use your own product? Like, there's a the famous thing about how Steve Jobs never let his kids use an iPad. Yeah. Or, or no, sorry, not Steve Jobs, uh, Tim, Tim Cook. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Tim Cook would never let his kids use an iPad because he knew, like, where that would go and they know why they're making so much fucking money anyway. Right. Um, so, how me- media trends in social media, because I do want to talk film a little bit later, but media trends in social media, you're right. Like the thing, like the top five, blah, 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 that's dead. And people do want to see more authentic shit, not underground, but more like it's like, it's weird. Like there's a demand for the high value or high uh, production value, high budget stuff. And then there's like the iPhone, fun, like you are talking about. Like, yeah. It was fucking crazy. And yeah. So, How do you track stuff like that? I mean, I'd imagine a bit of your day with marketing is tracking tracking trends. Right. What's what is going where? Like how do you measure all this? I mean, so you go through analytics on like paid
0: ads or, or any if you have a business page or a creator page, you can like see analytics. And I think, you know, it's it's harder to to look at a smaller scale and it can be easier. Yeah. But I mean, first of all, it's something that bothers me, but I lean into it. Like as a creative person, I want to make super high quality stuff. Even um, you know Donald Glover, Childish Gambino, he came out with like a he launched a creative agency in the last year where he's like, we are getting more and more satisfied with less quality stuff. Like let's make better things, right? And I just thought that was a great mission because it is I like, agree. Th- like as much as I'm like, yeah, be authentic, do be you know be regular. There's also part of me that like hurts my soul, like well, saying that. But but it is like the psychology side of things is that people feel I think there is a sense of like we've been li- like we feel like we've been lied to so much we feel like marketing is constantly trying to sell us something we don't need oh yeah
1: of you course know? they are. yeah exactly <laughs> and look, I think look at anybody's fridge yeah look at I mean look yeah. at anybody's like media center that they right like when's the, you know what I mean like it's yeah exactly we're, yeah.
0: we're and I mean that's like our society right yeah. like it's more and more and more like. And that's kind of like leaning into it, where there is a. I kind of try to take an abundance approach, where I like I'm not selling you a false need. I'm like leaning into who you are and why this aligns. Like I try to do that for my own ethos, but I think like people would rather see something that they relate to that didn't wasn't trying to like fake this narrative to them and and be like oh yeah like I relate to that. They they're not trying to be fake. Like that could be my friend. I could be in this room, and I think that kind of goes to. The same point with someone where it's like three hour long podcasts. It's like you like short content because it either feels like real life or it feels like you could have that conversation with someone. Or wow, this
1: actually showcase something that I would love to see. Whether it's wholesome or it's also a mental toxic. Vac- like the short form stuff is also a mental vacation. Yeah, it's the doom scrolling shit. Right,
0: right, exactly. But then I think like same thing of long stuff is like you could long form you can learn a lot, but I think it feels like. You're, you're sitting in a conversation. And I think that goes back to, like, you are the people you surround yourself with. And you could say, if you listen to a podcast all the time and you're learning a lot of stuff, I could even say almost, like, what's that saying? Like, you are the five people you surround yourself with. I could almost say, if you're listening to someone that often and they are in the top five of your life, like, you are embodying something
1: in yeah. your life. And it's you hard not improve. to. It's hard, right. especially considering, like, you're listening to podcasts a lot of the times you're either listening to it in a headphone or listening to it in your car it's just surrounding your brain it's surrounding that frequency and especially if you're listening to it while you're doing a row aer- like a road movement like a heavy exercise to your brain kind of has to not turn off but it goes into a rhythm and so it's absorbing everything that's going on around it and you're wearing like no like every headphone every earbud now is noise canceling so if you're listening to a podcast like whatever Whatever they're talking about is almost flowing through your body. Right. You know what I mean. Yeah. It Sounds kind of fucking voodoo-y, but it's it's that type of thing. So you're alchemy. But you, yeah, but you're <laughs> in, you're you're like cementing that into what you're doing. totally. You're completely right. And and go to go back to like the what Donald Glover was saying about when you bring quality things. I think that you're like there is a need for higher quality stuff, but then also tailing back to the authenticity part of it. I think there's a lot of and, I, and quite frankly, like things about myself was when I first started doing this. It's like, oh no, they mean what they're doing. They like, they actually enjoy what they're doing. They're not trying to do it for cloud. Not trying to do it to make a shit ton of money or like the, the intentions are pure. Like they're there. Yeah, maybe the skill needs to get better. Yeah, the this or that. Right. Or maybe it's like, oh yeah, they're they could actually be pretty good at this, or they are pretty good. Like as a person, um, whatever content they're creating, they're oh they're actually good at this, but they just don't have money. Yeah. Like they just don't have the thousands right. and thousands and thousands yeah. of dollars. Like I and I talk about this all the time. I'm not ashamed of it. Um, I wouldn't have any of this equipment. if I didn't have help. Right. Like I got help from friends, like, right? Like it's just, and I'm thankful for that every single day. But I wouldn't have what I have right now if I didn't have the people around me, right? Whether it's my friends, it's my chick. Like it just wouldn't be like I'd have the idea, but it would have. Ta- it certainly would have taken a lot longer. A, and then B, like there. And I was having this conversation. Um, who the fuck was I talking to this or talking about this about? I was talking about this guy named Pierce. He runs a, uh, a newer podcast called the Five Hundred Five Connection. And we were talking about marketing podcasts because I don't I don't know a lot I don't know a dick about it but what I was saying was like yeah like you could have like there are podcasts that survive audio only that definitely exists but in today's I don't know like the way you get your podcast knowing you get it out there unless you're lucky enough to sign an early deal. With like Amazon because Amazon has a lot of uh, a lot of audio only stuff that's exclusive mm-hmm. to them. Or if you if you have a certain niche that you just imagine or you manage to explode in, like one that comes to mind is a morbid. Have you heard of them? They're a true crime so. podcast. It's like, okay, I think it's two friends or two sisters. Like one of them's like a mortician and the other one is like a CSI person. Um, that's a good combo. Yeah, it's awesome. Oh, it's the type of like serial killers and like. Uh, mass murders that have happened. They talk about the Donner Party from the 1800s and shit like that. It's, it's really cool, but they're audio only. But I find them as like, okay, they're living off a of word of mouth and one is a published author, so that helps, but um, they're surviving off word of mouth alone and right. and Spotify helping them out because like, they always get recommended before you start to listen to them. But if you're really trying to like promote yourself as a creator and then promote your product, you could have the best voice, you could have the best conversational skills, you could have some of the best guests. You'll get bumped mm. if you get crazy people like the fucking rock or Kevin Hart right, or fucking right, right, right. Trump or whatever, right? But if you don't have the video element, it's it's tough to market stuff like that. And unfortunately I mean, yeah, you could do it with an iPhone. Like, You could do a lot of podcasting things with a short amount of money, but you still need a couple hundred bucks. Yeah. Like that's just that's just the fact of the matter. That's just what it is, yeah. That's just the fact of the matter. And and, and that's not – I always encourage people to ask me, how do I start a podcast? I'm like, yeah, do it. All, all you need – If you don't want to spend any money, all you need is your iPhone. That's right. all you need. Your iPhone and internet connection. And then if you want to spend a little bit of money and you have a laptop, go get a $70, $80 Yeti uh, microphone, right. plug that bitch in, and see what happens. Um, but again, like there are some barriers to entry that like would elevate people that don't have it already. And they just, just kind of just separate people from others. Right. So, yeah, no,
0: it's true. I mean, it makes a huge difference. And I, like, I think you said, I think people, cause I encourage people just to go for it. I think also probably a lot of times, I mean, it's, it's become saturated, but anything is a lot of times people fail cause they just stop. Yeah. You know, well, you that's, know the gar- that's the guaranteed way to fail is to stop. That right. is the guaranteed. Yeah. Way. Yeah, exactly. But, I think there is a sense of a journey of if if you're really bought into the story, because I know like I kind of have a weird I'm not really like a guy who's like on YouTube watching much of YouTube, but I have like this random guilty pleasure fucking watching this dude like bushcrafting. Like and he's like living in northern New Mexico right now. He's like a young kid who's just like fucking around and the production quality is garbage but like i love it because it's so real and i he's like asking, he's like well what can i do to make this better and then like he has now has like a camera like he's elevating and i'm like what is this gonna look like in two years yeah could be really good again that's you want to see people succeed uh, yeah exactly and i'm like interested to be like and I, I was there when he was doing this all on his phone like doesn't know you know and he's and it's cool he's like asking like what would be the better way to build this and then he gets the youtube like he's going viral now and it's like he gets answers, and he tries it, and it's like, oh,
1: I'm invested, you know? Yeah.
0: So I think, like, it's part of the storyline, too, well, that's, that's the, the hero's that, journey, that's right? That's, like,
1: the exact reason. I mean, there's other, like, auxiliary stuff, of course, but that's, like, the exact core reason, so, like, why the uh, uh, the uh Nelk boys are so big. Yeah. Because they started out doing, like, the prank videos, they started out doing, like, the content funny acts, and now that they've, like, matured, they're getting older, they have crazy production value, they're connected to people like Dana White and Trump and that, that all these people. Right. You know, you, there's fans that have been fans of them for, like, 10 years, and then there's people like me. Like, I I didn't know that – as I had seen their prank stuff when I was a lot younger, but I didn't know that was them. But I just saw, like, the full sin stuff. I'm like, oh, this, these guys are actually – this Kyle dude, actually like not a bad interviewer. Like, that's not too bad. Yeah. They're a little goofy, but then they've got yeah. so much better the more time they dedicate to it. And then like their vlogs are fucking insane. Like they went to Russia to go train with the U Uf- or go kick it with the UFC fighters out there, and like they're they're literally just running up and down icy mountains. Yeah, it's like what the fuck. But yeah. seeing that type of stuff and like the re- again the authenticity, the re- relatability. Yeah, they're super fucking rich and they can go party and this and that. But at the end of the day, they're just having fun. No yeah they who they've
0: stayed true right exactly. and I think that even goes back as like when you really start, I think you can have no budget and it can work if you know what is your unique thing. what makes you different? What is your perspective? yeah, your perspective, right and like and what could be the format or what are the things you're talking about? like there's even like podcasts that aren't even podcasts that I like they're like satire, bullshitting being like, you know it's better than cold showers like hot showers they like, burn yourself like and then they're like <laughs> and then they're like talking about fake biohacking benefits of hot showers and i'm like this is hilarious and i just like <sighs> i just spent 10 minutes watching this and it's just complete satire you know it's like how do you stand out in a saturated crowd and it's like be yourself have that perspective and and think differently of like what kind of format would i want to do or who am i going to talk about or what could be the unique it's like a value add i think also people want to walk away from a podcast even if it's like that they learn something or that they took out a new perspective or they have a new like thing yeah. that they can share with someone. Exactly. Like, you know, like you walk away with something. And I think as long as you're providing value and you know who you're wanting to talk to, or just, I think it goes back to like what Rick Rubin talks about um, a lot.
1: and especially The not, audience like, comes last. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. Like you as the artist, you as the person, trust yourself to like, you wouldn't put it out unless you thought it was good and
1: trust right. your own taste. And that like the audience will come that's the thing too is like we're talking about your unique perspective and stuff but humans aren't that unique right you know what I mean like we're not that different from one another so if you're into something chances are a lot of other people are. like for instance like before we started shooting you're you're looking at my the comics behind you like oh my buddy would be going crazy right now yeah I was like yeah they're maybe not your thing but if your buddy watches the pod, I'll bet half the time he's looking behind you trying to pick out like what's behind you and like right. who wrote what and what book is that cuz I'm like that. I that's half the fun for me of watching video podcasts. Like a new one anyway is like the set design. Like what's around the people? What's that personality? What's that um like obviously I'm very biased, but like the pot, people who do podcasts are becoming like a cousin to the man cave. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, totally. how do you how do you design your studio? Totally. How do you like? Well, how does it? What does it say about you? That type of shit. Because right. obviously, I didn't go for like what is going to make the studio look the best. Like, um, like uh, by like gener- generalizing, right? Oh, I'm going to put the potted plant here, and I'm going to have the L- I did have LED lights in the older studio, but that's just because there was like no light in that place anyway. Right. So I was like, oh, I'll have the red here and the green here, and I'm going to yeah. have the like. I remember one of my buddies, um, and it was a good idea frankly it was a good idea um he he was like hey you should really go get like a um that's almost i don't give a fuck about it who was our soccer team again united united thank you so he's like you should be like a united flag behind you because if your clip goes viral people see it from new mexico you build the new mexico audience and i was like oh, that's a good idea And as I was, it took me like thirty seconds when I was looking for a good United. I was like, I don't give a fuck about soccer, and I'm like ninety nine percent sure that I've talked shit enough about soccer on here that if someone who's been watching suddenly finds a flag, like, I thought, yeah, yeah, those are your diehard fans. Yeah, I thought you didn't like soccer. You know, I I could get, I respect it. Right, I respect the shit out of it. That is cardiovascular endurance. That is bananas. I also don't care. Yeah, it's, you know not I mean? your, it's not your interest, and it's like what well, be true to you because exactly. that's why people are watching because they are interested. So I try to make the shit that I like look good on camera, and right. I just love the design of it and all that type of stuff. Um, yeah, it's just. I think you're talking I, about. I think you're staying on brand now. I think that's what's up. Like, do represent my best. who? Yeah, do, yeah, do, do, my best. do, yeah, be you. you and know. and uh, it's just funny because we're talking a little bit earlier about um, like what makes you unique and what brings that forward because like podcasting itself. Yeah, you can have like the like the one on one format. You can have the solo. Like I think I think the person that does the best solo podcast. Period, um, is Bill Burr. Like that dude's Monday morning shit. I don't listen to it too much anymore, but he just has that muscle in his brain where he can just rant and riff, and it's most of the time it's just him, or maybe it's him and his producer. And he's just talking shit for an hour. Yeah. And that's just absolutely crazy. I don't have that muscle. I did one solo episode. I was like, nope, never again. Nope, that was an hour of pain because I hate riffing off myself. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. But then like, there's like the one-on-one format or like the table format. There's like the right. lounge format that like Andrew Schultz does on Flagrant. Right. That type of shit. There's like the desk format that uh, Tim Dillon does or Theo Vaughn used to do. There's a million ways to do it. But I think it's this is the obvious element If you have to keep going. You don't quit, right? We've already covered that, but then it's also, and maybe this is a little bit of bias, a little bit of cope on my end, but I think it's, you become unique or the host becomes unique doing it by exposing yourself to new ideas and new people, obviously, but then there's like a lot of, you can't just like turn the camera on and do it. Like if you're going to, like for one you have to expand your vernacular like you have you can't just be saying the same thing over and over again you have to take it upon yourself to go learn new things you have to take it upon yourself to actually go out like the number one thing that has helped me in this podcast outside of listening to other podcasts yep. is reading hmm. reading like i love comic books obviously like I, that's how i learned to read and i'm never going to stop doing that but there's literally up until like two years ago I wasn't that big of a like a traditional reader. Like I would read horror here and there, but I just never really. It wasn't as fun to me. I yeah. was like, I could read a book and imagine things, or I could either a watch the movie or TV adaption, or I could fucking those have pictures in them. You know, that's right. like where my childish brain went to. But actually sitting down and reading, uh, whether it's like books or just articles or really just getting involved in not just, like, current events, but, like, I've become a big history person over the last, like, five or six years, like, so learning stuff about that, like, just in taking information and storing it and really, not just for the sake of reading things, but things I actually care about. Right. Right, and then finding in that mixed with expanding your your vocabulary, those two come together and then you find a to take a conversation you might not have been able to, like, you know, in the first couple of episodes of the first years of doing it. Like there were a lot of people that I wanted There were a couple of people I wanted on the podcast in the beginning. I'm glad I did not very glad I didn't because I would have fucked that up so hard just because not, not for lack of trying, but just inexperience mm-hmm. like, Oh man, there's one I did. God bless her. It was a family psychologist that I had on. She was phenomenal. Very well spoken. She did the best with what she had at the time with that podcast, but I gave her nothing. And I was just asking dumb questions and the very surface level shit. And I didn't really know how to like pick apart sentences. And if you're listening, I know you're not, but if you're listening, I'm sorry. Like it was bad. <laughs> very, very great. Yeah. Very great person though. So I think that's a lot of it is like t- taking the time to do the work outside of this mm-hmm. to help build yourself as a person. And even if your podcast does not fucking go anywhere. Who you- cares? Who cares? You're do still, it you. You do it for you. But even if you stop doing it one day, you have a lot of knowledge now. Yeah. It's like this weird, Right, it's this weird secondhand education.
0: Mm. That is, yeah, that's it's true. So I mean, right? That's like why people get into it. And I think, yeah. and it's like, not only, probably like with your show, people who watch, they not only get to feel like they're learning from different perspectives, but they like how you dig into things. Right? they like, I think that's like why people like certain, like, oh, I really like the questions that they're asking and the space that they're providing and getting weird or putting them on the spot and really getting maybe a response that I would never have seen anywhere else. Right. Like, but people find different ways to connect. Like it's all, I think what is, and like you said, I think what's cool is you can develop that brand or like figure out what people like by doing it. Right. Like Mm -hmm. the more you do stuff, you're like, Oh, I really actually, the show will continue to evolve. The more and more you do the show, the more and more it's going to evolve into, thing that you really love
1: and that's intersecting with what people who watch it really love. Exactly. And I, I would say right now the only complaint I have with my podcast is it honestly is the name just because it tells you nothing about what it's about. Hmm. It tells you nothing about what the podcast is. It's just a funny looking logo. Yeah. And that's what I didn't plan on this to go anywhere. I didn't plan on this to be, I thought it was gonna last like six months. I'm like, oh, that was fun. I did a podcast. You know what I mean? Like 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 a million other people during the pandemic, right? right. They did like the first 10 episodes Fizzled out, whatever. Um, but as I started going, I was like, "Oh, this is gonna be a thing." I'm gonna stick to my guns because it's a catchy thing because it looks like fucking OnlyFans, right? But what I'm very happy about is that people don't give a shit about the name, and they and from what I've seen, they mostly just go straight to like, "Okay, who have you had on?" Right? That's what matters. And then mix that with the fact that there's like there are local New Mexico podcasts, but not to. And I'm, not, I'm not saying this to to boast, but I don't know of a local podcast since the pandemic that has focused exclusively on guests. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like the BS show, Buck and six. I fucking love those guys. That, Mm -hmm. that was, I think as far as guest podcasts go, I think that was the most fun I had was on their show. That was, have you been on the BS show? No, I
0: haven't dude. I've been back on a old one of bucks back in the day, but yeah, I mean, shout out to them. They're just doing their 200th episode. Yeah, Yeah. That
1: was, that was really cool to watch too. Yeah. That was awesome. They And that, that, and I've told both of those guys, doing a live podcast scares the fuck out of me. That is, because I'm not that guy. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I love doing, like, stand-up. Mm-hmm. But as far as, like, having, like, a cool guest and the conversation, but then interact with the audience and come back to here. And then you, it, that's just not my mental, whatever. In the same way that, like, um my, my buddy Joey that you met downstairs, he does the podcast with me a lot. And then whenever we do live ones, he'll sit there and he'll uh, produce and help the live stream and all that shit. I love the guy to death. A lot of other, a lot of other friends that have come on the podcast very regularly here, I couldn't do a weekly show with them. That's yeah. just not how my brain works. I need new. I need like I can have recur. I've had recurring guests, but like it's hard for me to like keep that in because I see these guys on a regular basis. I talk to them on a regular basis, and it's you know what I'm trying to say. Right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Exactly. And it's yeah. kind of probably reflects too of like what people listen to you for. They're like, I want who is he talking to this time? Yeah. You know? Like, yeah. I think like probably it's the same thing. Like I'm here, I'm like on the outside where I'm like, it's probably because like, that's the same thing. The reflection of the brand. It's like, if you trust yourself to feel that way, it's probably your viewers and listeners that feel the same way. too. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like trust, trust your gut on that. And it's like, yeah, I think it's, it goes back to the same thing of like wanting to walk away with, with a value add. I, I would say, you know, just go for it and like i mean i write songs and i'm in a band and i don't do it because i'm like we're gonna make it we're gonna make the bet like we're gonna we're gonna you know be on the charts and all this stuff i mean cool that'd be great but yeah the second i stopped even thinking about that kind of stuff and just being like i just love writing songs i literally the best high in life is like performing those songs on stage with a crowd the yeah. actual people there. <laughs> you know what I mean? We've all been there, but we've had a lot of good ones. Um, yeah. And But in general, just practicing, like, and getting to sing, like, and being like, this is our song. We created this from scratch, you know? Yeah. And I do that strictly for the sake of doing it. And it was crazy that at that point when I dropped
1: all expectations and was like, I'm just going to do this because I really enjoy it. I was going to say, do you remember the first time you felt that when, like, in, in the res- in, in the sense of you, like, you and the band... You had the concept for a song, you create it, or you you write it, both lyrically, instrumentally, you put it all together, and then not only do you, like, like you put it out on a streaming service, but you uh, play for it in a crowd, and it hits, it's received well. Do you remember that first time that that process saw its way through, and then it's like, oh, like, that, that's what I was searching for. Yeah. Yeah, I mean...
0: It's funny because they're like little wins along the way. How it really started was like with the homies growing up and messing around. But like the first time I got to perform it was like the group Suede School. uh, Shout out January Black. That was, that's like my, that's like my godfather right there. He showed me a really a lot about like being in the studio and how to finish song. And then we came together and was like, oh, this third mind, you know, this like, where we both had the same ethos. And we were both like, this is who Suede School is and this is how we write. And then we were able to be in the room and write these songs together. Almost like, because I truly believe creativity happens to you. Like, you don't think, like I, like, you're like, I'm gonna think of something really good right Right, now. Time to create, bro. Yeah, exactly.
1: Like it's a feeling. Like I do think we're vessels for things. The shower and the shitter. Yeah, the two places I come up with all my comedy. Yeah, I fucking hate it (laughs) because my phone is almost never in reach. (laughs) (laughs) Like I will literally get out of the shower. I poke my head and my arm out and just do like one of those numbers on the wall or on my towel. And like, okay, okay, the Jewish people don't control the weather because okay, back to shower. Yeah, yeah. yeah, There you go. I mean, yeah, yes, yeah, like. And, and I've gotten better at where I have to, like, write
0: things down, but it's, like, crazy to be in a, in a studio, because I also, my methodology is I don't write any songs. I, like, will find the melody or the pattern or the cadence, and then I will keep listening to it on loop until I memorize it, so I can deliver it that way. Because when I write it, it feels too structured and, like, in a box, and I also don't, 'Cause I'll freestyle too. I'll go into and I'm not just like not just like rap like I don't really rap anymore. It's just like singing, trying to sing, right? And uh but that stuff will happen to me where I just like let it go and there's parts of those songs people will never know. But I'm like, that is completely off the top of the head. Well, that
1: makes perfect sense why you want to do co- your comedy your same way. That's yeah. just how your brain works. I mean, yeah. That's uh, Buck is that way. I know that. Uh, Josh is pretty good at that. Zach oh, yeah. is pretty good at that, where they can. Josh and Buck are on another level. I can't, yeah. like, I'm pretty good and I can do something like that. Yeah, that's like another well, thing I, where I, uh, I bring them up because they've specifically said, like, yeah, I'll write things out, um, but a lot, like, they write on stage it's those type of comics where they can write on stage and buck remember i was doing some writing he's like honestly dude i don't write out most of my shit i just have an idea i think why it's funny and like where i want to get but i just get up there and figure it out and
0: then people feel that because it's it's
1: real right Right. and so to kind of get
0: back of like we wrote those songs and then we put out the first projects and i never truly like put out work like that where like january had and um we had a music video that like did really well. Then we got books to do a show and it got really good feedback.
1: Where's the show at? Uh, the first one is Launchpad, nice. and then we had a couple other smaller ones. That's uh, a hell of a stage, Launchpad. I've yeah. I've been on it for a collective five minutes during One Liner Madness. Yeah, but there was a moment when I was up there, and I finished my joke or whatever, and she, and the my opponent was doing her joke, but I was like looking out into the crowd and I was like, "Yo, this is actually really cool." Yeah, what the? This is it's a sold out cool. crowd. This is a sold-out crowd. I did a joke, and I think, like, 60% of them laughed at it. Yeah. That's kind of crazy. Oh, man. <laughs> it's huge, man. And and to have that moment, like, it
0: is an adrenaline to be up to singing the songs, right? And so we kind of built it, but we dropped this project. We were getting some love locally. Like, nothing huge, nothing yeah. life-changing, but, like, yeah, we we were cemented in the scene or we this brand-like little That's how group. it starts. And we got booked on this show, and we did the song, The Source. That wasn't even our biggest song. But it drops in, and we do the hook, and we're like, and the crowd is chanting it back at us.
1: That's see that, and I that's was like, crazy. what the f-?
0: like, dude! I was like, almost forgot the words because I was like, what the fuck! And like, that moment was when I was like, holy, this is the shit, thing, this dude! Is a, this like is that, a that rush, and I was like. Amped up after that, I was like, "Oh fuck, dude, this is so tight." You know what I mean? Like that was the coolest thing ever to have people sing your song that you wrote back at you. I couldn't even imagine. And and like the you're, I'm already like, I get hype on stage. You know, I jump around and like so. the Same thing, our band Rip Williams. We just rocked at at Launchpad, and there's some some new songs. And like I write now a lot about like my actual life now, just kind of channeled through it. And people singing those songs back at us. We have one song. I was like, you know, 50,000 listens on, on Spotify. Look at and that. you know, that's it's like, I mean, thing. it's like, I'll take it. You know what I mean? And, uh, people know that song. And I wrote that, wrote that about a girl that was like my real life. Like I didn't fake anything. I was like, that's some, and half of that song's freestyle. And it, is on playlists and weird shit, but people sing it back. And it's like, every time it's rewarding, I could see how bigger artists, like at a certain point you have a hit and you're like, I fucking hate this song, but I also don't. I'm like I don't see how if it hit like that all the time, you could see the pure joy and people be like, oh, like I'm like nothing, and I like gotta, people uh, are hyped on those songs. And you start playing it, and you see people be all like, oh, should I know
1: this song? I'm like, dude, that is a sick feeling. Whenever I see st- like an interview like that where there's uh, an artist is getting asked or a bands getting asked about like you're just your songs hit the top, but up, but, but how do you feel? Like, well, we I actually kind of hate that song. It's like okay, you might dislike it, but. Yeah, love the results. And stop acting like you hate there's no way I don't I don't see yeah, any possible way you hate the song. Exactly. It's just like I don't see any possible way you hate the song, especially that's what it's done. And then also, if you hate it, why'd you put it out? Yeah, it's like, like I get, to, I,
0: I get like record labels have like that piece, but like you guys had to record that. Yeah, you had to write it down and like exactly. make it happen. I guess there's sometimes writers and stuff like that, but yeah, like that is a weird old man energy kind of thing, or like these young kids don't like. I don't know that energy, and I guess I've never lived through it, so like, it's hard for me to relate. But I think like I love that about like Shaq. He says that in an interview where he's like, "My dad taught me like if someone paid to give like be there for the show, you give him a fucking show, you know?" And he'll like. Like same thing. If like people are out there, they love that song. You'd be like, "Oh God, I gotta yeah. perform well, this song." That would be millions of dollars. What's well, like- well, funny? <laughs> the best,
1: the best way I've heard that put it, like especially with the hard and dollars to go see something, is just the idea of money in general. I heard that the best way I've heard it put, honestly, is by Andrew Tate. He was talking about it, and he goes, uh "Money is people's time and service on a paper think. That's what that is. So if they're taking that." First of all, it's so what people are chasing, they're driving their worth from. What does that really mean, A? And then B, um, and then how does it save you time, right? A, and then B, if they're spending that. You know, that's why, that's why I extrapolated out of it is like if they're taking that, if this is, because I get paid more or less like $21 an hour or so, like $21, $22-ish, I think, is how the, the math shakes out. Um, so that means that if I take a $20 bill and I go buy dinner, either for myself or for someone else or whatever, That means I effectively spent an hour of my life at work so that I could get this whatever. That's what that transfer means. Mm -hmm. So then if you're doing a show and it's a $20 cover, that means they did whatever job they're doing, whether they're sitting in an office or they're working on a construction site. They, They get paid $20 an hour. That means that for an hour, they did their job so that they could turn around and see you do yours. You better do it fucking well. Right. And if you even if you suck at it, even if you have an opportunity, and this is me currently, even if you have an opportunity where you may or may not deserve it, act like you do and just try your best. Right. Because I think people, especially in the live entertainment format, obviously they want a good show and they want to be entertained. But they would rather see somebody fall flat on their face and they act like they don't want to be there, ra- they they would rather not see that. They would rather see somebody f- like fail, fall on their face. But they love what they're doing. They're happy to be there because that's still infectious. Yeah, right? that's I've seen. Oh, dude, the comics, there's yeah. a dude I saw a clip recently. He's like,
0: he's like, does a joke. He's just like, I am
1: bombing right now. Yeah, and they're like <laughs> reacting, and then he just leans into it. Yeah,
0: he like, and mm-hmm. it's just, to, and it actually gets the crowd back by him just being completely like. Whatever, like, and he's like, "I am." This is bad. The dude in the back is like, "Can we get the fuck out?" Of here? You know, and then, like,
1: you feel it. It's like, wow, like leaning into it, right, rather than like just it's, get I mean, small. It's cringy, especially with comedy. It's cringy watching people bomb, and then because, like, I'm biased. Like, I've gotten numb to bombing, like watching other people bomb. I've gotten pretty numb to that, and um, I've gotten numb to myself bombing pretty quickly too, which I'm very thankful for. I'm very yeah. thankful for that, but it becomes cringy when you're watching somebody bomb and they're like mad at the audience that they're bombing. Right. Like, I I guarantee you, we did not gather before you got up and said, hey, we're going to like send telepathic waves to this guy's brain and just make him the most unlikable, racist, bigoted, no fucking thought in his brain type of guy. We're just going to like Professor X you to failure. Right. This is you, dude. Just own up to it and walk away. Yeah, seriously. Like, I don't know. No, no,
0: I I agree. Like, it's... You got to own it up there and it's like lean into it if there's a weird audience. Like, I think it's cool too how like comedians will gauge their audience. So, like, let me drop this one crazy joke in the beginning of the show so I can just test to
1: see what they're yeah. like. Can they yep. deal with
0: it? They, they couldn't take it. All right. It's yep. also like, well, this is going to be a rough show. But. Well,
1: I was, I was learning that because I went to a mic last night. You ever been to a place called Z Lounge?
0: Is that at the hotel? Yeah.
1: I haven't been there yet. It's. Dude, it's a cool little place. Yeah. Like, it's like a speakeasy style thing. A false door opens and you walk in. It ain't the cheapest place around, but it's kind of cool. And they're holding a mic there last night, and I'm trying – because ugh, fucking crowd work terrifies me. That scares the shit out of me because yeah. it's – I've learned about myself as I've grown into my 20s that I'm not a control freak, but I prefer to have – major influence of what's going on in my life you right know what i mean yeah, yeah yeah. and especially if it's something so free-forming like comedy i would i know what i practiced i know what i have this may or may not work but at least i know where it's going right yeah exactly and then like because remember i did. I, well, I did a show a while while back and i bombed fucking hard and this guy that was in uh, like literally in front row at the brewery i was at was giving i forget what the topic was it's about i think it's about trump or some shit and he was just giving me, it's like layups, layups that if I had just a little bit more skill, I could just dunk and dunk. I was bombing fucking hard. Anyway, anyway. so last night, the place is pretty, pretty cool spot. I'm watching the mic happen. I went on last because so I showed up late and um, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to try like crowd work. I'm going to not crowd, work. I'm going to try like commenting on like what's going on around us, commenting on the crowd, like what I can observe and the style of the. Um, of the bar and then use, the, be a little pushy with that just to see like to gaze, the audience, like can they handle like a sex joke? Can they handle dark humor? Are they into that type of shit? And thankfully they were um, lost some of my Jew bit, but you know, it is what it is. Uh, it is what it is, but it, it's, it's fun to experiment like that. And do you, when you're built, this is what I'm always curious about with, with musicians, when you have a show and you're curating a set list, how, what's the thought process behind that? And then how are you, do you tailor your set list to the venue you're at? Like, what's the... Yeah,
0: there definitely is. Um, It's funny you bring that up, too. Um, Yeah, definitely, like, people, you know, building your last song usually should be either, like, your biggest hit or at least maybe your biggest current hit or, you know, if you're kind of low-key, it doesn't matter as much if you want to go out on a high note always yeah. if you want to start off and get people's attention. I mean that's just kind of psychology it's like people remember the first thing people remember the last thing um and so that's always something good to note right but this last one we just did at launchpad we were actually opening up the show and so there was one feeling it was we were opening up for Reviva and there was one other band. Oh like, nice and Reviva's sick man and I've heard amazing uh, things about those guys and and I've been I was listening to them when I was like You know, ten years ago, even longer actually. Um, when I was in high school, and it was crazy because we got to open up for them. But like our style is like indie; it's a little more heavy. There's some funk. There's a little bit hip hop influence, but it's like indie rock, you know. But we have some heavy songs that it's not metal by any means, but it's it's rowdy. And there's a part of me like, is this gonna vibe with them? But also, I also was like, I don't give a fuck. Like, let's play it because this is us. This is our band. If People yeah. like it, they'll like it. At the end of the day, right.
1: you got booked for yourself. Yeah, right. Yeah.
0: So, but what we did do is, because we knew we were gonna open, and we knew that the crowd later who'd show up would maybe be more reggae out, a little more low key. We put a lot of our heavy stuff in the beginning, right? So then Smart. we could go out with like our like our hits, our groove and stuff at the end. So if they showed up late. And they're showing up baked, too. Yeah, exactly. Then they're just, like, vibing out. They maybe miss being a set. But if you like us, or if you caught our whole set, we got you in the beginning. We got you hyped up, and then we just ride it out, right? Smart. So we do that. And, <laughs> oh, and then, so it's going really well, actually. Like, it's going really well. We got the energy up, and we did the song Paper Cut, which we haven't put out yet. It's going to come out pretty soon. And it's probably one of our most hyped songs. And... But we've been building it up with these other ones that are real high energy. I'm jumping on stage. I'm yelling. Like, and people are starting to jump around. There is this dude in the crowd who's too drunk. And he's with his girlfriend. And it's funny because I actually had this on camera. I set up my my black magic camera in there just to get like footage of our set. And I hooked it into the soundman's audio. So I get like line in audio, high quality, helps us get booked more. But luckily that was in the back of the room, so you get the whole crowd. And so I have this on camera. Oh, this dude's no. he's like kissing his girlfriend. And then during that song, "Paper Cut," he's like, all right, okay. And he, like, pushes someone. And he's like, goes back, kisses his girlfriend. And then he pushes someone else. And you could just see, like, he's getting hyped up. Where, like, all the, you could see him progressively get crazier and crazier. And he ends up – he keeps trying to push people in but He's just drunk as fuck. And he pushes this girl. And then the dudes are like, dude, that's my sister. Like, don't fuck with her, you know? And he's just like drunk, whatever. Well, then like that song finishes. He ends up like pushing one more time. Boom. Sock. The dude dude tries to fight. Like he throws a punch. He gets missed. He gets dropped. He gets kicked. And I'm like up there thinking people are going I'm like, yeah. And then I'm like, oh, shit. I'm like, stop. Stop the music. i was like, security. There's like a fight, you know? Like we're all just like, what the fuck? And this dude got rowdy and they ended up kicking him out. And it was funny, like, we had to get everyone like, all right, chill out. And like, the crowd was never quite the same after that. They're a little that's traumatized. A hard,
1: it was a hard thing to recover, especially in Albuquerque. it's yeah. a hard thing to come It was back downtown.
0: From. Yeah, exactly. Because everyone's tripped out now. It's downtown Albuquerque. Yep, funny, Funnier exactly. story was with that guy went outside, wilt on his head, was talking shit that he got beat up. So he calls the cops, even though he started the fight. Cops come, he starts talking shit to the cops. They arrest him, but because of his thing, they send him to the hospital in an ambulance. So the dude got a $4,000 bill from the ambulance and went to jail.
1: You know what? Who said that being 50th in education is a bad thing, <laughs> yeah, all right? That, yeah. that means
0: there are consequences, people. Yeah, it was, it was oh. quite entertaining. But it was like we – I didn't really realize it until now actually saying it that way, but like we did start out heavy. To like kind of get it out of the way, but also be like, here, we're gonna get you guys hyped up. But that's, yes, it's not not our fault. It's not our fault, but it was a result of like when I said alchemy, like, this dude was like too drunk. Where he's like, I can't handle this. Too high energy. Like now I gotta start fucking shit up. You know what I mean? Whereas like maybe if we were way more vibed out or blended out, he never like I don't know. I'm not gonna blame it on that because yeah. actually was I think of it. Oh, that was our first crowd fight. Like
1: we're make like we're we made progress, dude. Like that means your music can reach
0: people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly.
1: They feel it in their emotions. Yeah, I don't know, man. Like that. That that dude's an issue waiting to happen. If it wouldn't have happened at the totally. show, he would have walked down and well, I mean, was, at the time he could have walked down and knockouts or he would have gone down like distillery, yeah. and he would have caused an issue there. Totally, that's, that's where the issues wash out anyway. Yeah, you know, it's that's just where it fucking happens. And I don't know. I mean. I won't. Bl- I won't blame it on that. But I, well, it says like we do think no, about that. Yeah, acknowledge the influence, but I mean, don't take the credit for that. Like the responsibility, <laughs> the responsibility. Yeah, it, you yeah, know yeah. what I mean? Because like, I'll take that credit. Yeah, take the credit. <laughs> yeah, take the credit, not the responsibility. Because yeah. fuck that guy.
0: No, totally. Yeah, but but it was like it. Was, we do think about that though. Yeah. Like how to set up the set when we do something way more low key. Like we've done that for family friends, like kind of favors. Like oh, you need music of this fan. All right, like right. we're not. You know, we'll do some more cover songs. Yeah, I won't be screaming when i need to you know like we do you do adjust to your audience if i was super big though i'd be like i don't give a fuck (laughs) like you get what you get this is our brand like i i don't have that like right you know and i would love to stick to it but i'm also like if i you know if i was through and through with the brand i'm like i'm just trying to do this have fun you know enjoy it yeah but i think most like true true artists because music heads can be very like never, I will never compromise, you know what I mean, like those true, true heads, yeah. so I think there's a different approach, I, I'm a little more flexible, but yeah, you definitely get influenced by who am I going to be, like stay true to yourself, but yeah, like play the, like, you know, read the room, yeah. <laughs> read the room, I did that for any performer, read the fucking room real yeah. quick, because like, like you said, looking around when you did Z, Z Lounge, like you looked around to see what you kind of work with, yeah. And you start there, and then you're like, okay, now I kind of go into this as a vibe. I built a little rapport. Like, I do that at work. Like, if I go into a meeting or a pitch, and I'm like,
1: all right, who's, you know? Are you more of, when you go to a a pitch meeting like that, or you go to a place where you're going to end up having to uh, exercise your voice, are you the type of person that you're confident enough to where you can just start speaking right off the bat? You're very confident. You know what you're going to talk about already? Or do you kind of just walk in and you observe first? Okay, what's going on how are people responding to the first couple of people that are speaking? Where do you find yourself in that? So I definitely like
0: go in knowing, that, you know, planning out what I'm going to say. Um, and I think by doing performances over the years, I'm not scared to speak in front of people. Yeah. So I like have that in the back pocket. But yeah, 100%, like you want to go in and you want to relate. Like people say business isn't personal, but business is super personal. Like you want to do... I get it when it comes down to like, oh, well, that's just, you know, money. But like people do business with people who they like. Yes. And so. That's what networking is the number one skill
1: in 99% of life.
0: Right. Yeah, exactly. And so when I get in the room, it is like a read the room of like, take my time. Because no one wants to just, you know, buy me dinner first. I'm just, you know, like in terms of, uh, I don't need to just get right into it, get right into the pitch. Like, let's relay. Let's kind of have some small talk. Like, let me see where I can relate with people. Yeah. Like oh yeah what have you been up to? Oh like you just visited Durango? Like oh like I love and I've heard of that thing with threading. It's like oh I love Durango cuz I love the snowboarding. I love the small town vibe, you know, cannabis is legal up there or whatever. Like you find things with people yeah. and that kind of opens them up already, loosen up to get to be heard. So I'll always kind of get the the vibes going and then I have some information that I could be like Oh, maybe this thing actually aligns with that thing they said. It'd be like, oh, like you said earlier, this is this point. You like provide value. Oh, provide value. And then they feel like they're involved. Cause I'm like, yeah. just like you said earlier. Like it's not even manipulation because it's just truth where I'm like when I make this There those is some psychology to it though, yeah. but it's positive psychology. Yeah. And
1: then I don't know. I mean, like guys definitely have this in social settings, but it's it there's a version of it in business. Like, are you cool? Right. Like, can I hang out with you? Totally. Like I forget. I think it was. I think it was Christopher Titus that said it in one of his stand up bits, where it's like, if you're like, yeah, it was like a Thanksgiving dinner and your sister brings home a boyfriend and he's wearing Crocs. And you're like, what's up with the fucking shoes? If he says something like, what, you don't like Crocs? Or he's kind of like defensive about it. like, okay, I can't fuck with you. We can't hang out. If if and when the drinks start flowing later, I'm not going to hang out with you. Or it's, and he goes, uh, yeah, what's up with those shoes? I don't know. What's up with that shirt? And it's like, oh, Okay, we can kind of fuck around. Yeah, exactly. there's, there's a little push and shove. There's yeah, a little exactly. ball breaking here. All right, nice. And being able to translate that type of thing into the business where I think is invaluable. So it's your right. your ability to connect and your ability to um like display the best parts to you to people, like why you provide value, why like why are you in a meeting? Why am I in a meeting with you? Like why are we all here? Right. That type of thing. Yeah, exactly.
0: And and people have like different ways of connecting but the same thing. It's like When I said earlier, like, my brand is, like, I take my work seriously, but I don't take myself seriously. And that's true. And it's the same thing as, like, do I trust you to take my money and make something happen out of it? But also, like, do I like you as a person, you know? Exactly. By me being, taking it seriously, you trust me to do a good job. But also, you're like, I can talk to him and fuck around and not feel like I'm talking to a brick wall. No, exactly. Because you can't, even business can't be all business. Yeah. Dude, I mean, most of the time, I'm sure... Business is done on the golf course. Business is done at the bar. (laughs) Like, 100%, man. Like you said, networking. Like, you could go to a conference, and instead of attending the conference, you just go drink with the other people that are going to that. Like, you'll probably get more business done. Oh, yeah.
1: Oh, for sure. I mean, that's one of the best scenes in the office is – it's Michael, Jan, and then uh, this other sales rep who's played by Tim Meadows. And they're at the Chili's. And oh, yeah. Other, the Baby Back Ribs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah. Jan's trying to get the pitch in, and Michael's like, shut the fuck up. And they're just talking about margaritas and Baby Back Ribs and chicken fingers and whatever. And when he's got a little bit of drink in, him, he's like, hey, I get that this is happening. However, this is why it's good, and this is why we can help. Right. It's like, okay, I guess we can. And it's like, yeah, salesmanship. Right. That's all it is.
0: Yeah, 100%. And like there are people way better than me at it. I'm not traditionally s- trained in sales, but I've been able to close deals, big deals and go into the room. And it is like a level of confidence. And like, I also think is always making sure that you're creating a win, win, win solution idea, especially where it's like, Hey, we're both benefiting from this. No one's getting the shitty end of the deal. Like, so I know bigger business men would be like, Oh no, like he's cold hearted. Like you gotta be a killer and all that shit. And, Fair enough. That's just on my ethos in life, but I've had a way better time getting along and being like <laughs> I'm a more having a good time kind of guy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like I'm not trying to make everyone hate me. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's yeah, it is that like being cool and having fun and finding relatability, but and, and like the same thing of like you should try to attract the people that you wanna work with. Cause like, yeah, I could convince someone that's like boring as hell to do business, but now I gotta do business with that person. You know what yeah. I mean? Sometimes I go through things and I'm like oh, I don't even think we should go for that. Like, yeah, there's some
1: money on the table, but. Right. What does a long-term look like? So with Santa Fe Brewing, this is something I'm interested in. So standing out in that market. Yeah. Obviously, you have New Mexico relatability due to the name. Uh, The beer is good. But how, it's like, how do you guys, I feel like it's easy to maintain customers with an alcohol brand. Yeah. You know, the people, like, I'm a quality. Yeah. You know, like, I'm a whiskey person. I'm a tequila person. I'm a vodka person. And of that, I really like blah, 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 blah. blah right. Um, and there's even like, like, for a while, my TikTok was getting a lot of like whiskey pages. So I was like, this is your daily drinker. And this is your special occasion. This is your anniversary or your like yearly sip or whatever. Right. And people like get so deep into that. They have like their brands they always stick to for, you know. My point in asking this is, like, so how – the maintaining, I feel like, is the easier part of it. I could be wrong, but it could be the easier part of it. How do you guys reach new markets? How do you guys reach new people here in New Mexico? Because there's – I mean, there's a lot – we have a lot of great beer here. We have fucking amazing beer here. But it's, like, how do you stand out amongst brands – and it's not to talk down, but, like, um, amongst brands like Marble or um, Ex Novo or – Oh, I have another one in my head, but I fucking forgot. Um, but
0: how do you how do you send out amongst the brands? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it goes back to you know, it wasn't like I made the I, I got there for. It's been four and a half years now. Um, it's a thirty five year old brewery, right? Double the size of the next biggest. You know, we've grown uh, like crazy in the last five years. So I am. You've been there for four of them. So I'll take some of them, <laughs> right? And but I mean, that growth started before I got there and it was kind of at the pinnacle of the craft brewing industry. Like meaning seven years ago people everyone wanted to go to a brewery. There wasn't a million of them yet. People were really educated. It was like going like anyone you could just put out an IPA and it would sell. Basically like ten right. seven to ten years ago. And so like there was already growth happening there. Now it's a commoditized market. Actually, like craft, with the rise of seltzers, people are drinking liquor more. People are also much more health conscious, so they're not drinking as much. Like if you look at national trends, craft brewing is actually like on a slight decline, and it may not get better. Um, Interesting. And and also I've younger been, people are
1: consuming less alcohol. I was gonna say I've noticed that non-alcoholic versions of alcoholic beverages, like like a big one that went that went crazy was a uh, white Claw oh, with yeah. their non-alcoholic seltzer. And then, um, yeah, that one's crazy. Cause that's just water. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sparkling water. Yeah. Like they sell that everywhere.
0: Like that one's crazy to me. I actually did a skit on the brewery page. You should check it out. I'm like the marketing guy pitching an idea. And I'm like, what I'm like, okay, instead of a beer, let's do a seltzer. Right. I was like, but non-alcoholic is really in right now. So let's pull the alcohol out. I was like, and also good for you stuff is a huge a huge thing. So let's pull out all the artificial flavoring, and uh, and RTDs are good. So let's pull out the carbonation too. <laughs> and then like they're just like, are you pitching water? <laughs> I was like, what is that? Who made that? They're like God? They're like I don't fucking know. <laughs> so like we did a whole bit on that. But yeah, like NA is 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 growing like crazy. Um, but to get back, it's like I think just standing art is like we have the personality. But before I got there, like the Brewmaster Burr, and he's in the videos. Super cool guy. Put me on a lot of game. Is it's value, you know? It's not like we have a good pricing model, but we have really good beer. So it's like you, the consumer sees value because it's like you're not charging me $20 for a four-pack, but I am going to get good beer that's approachable. It's not like a raspberry cinnamon bun stout, which some people want that. And more power to them. Yeah, you but like what you like. This but- is a beer you can drink consistently. Yeah. You know, and that's what our thing is about is like that is this a beer you want to drink? Right. And consist like not just one time to say you did it. And um so I think having a good product that really helps, you know what I mean? Um but yeah, I took like with our latest one like NMX standard is going to be probably our number 2 beer. i
1: was gonna say I see that everywhere. Yeah, I see that's that. good. I see that's that.
0: That's why I'm, that's that was my first like baby over yeah. there. Like I've helped with some branding and like it was a big team that made that happen. I can't take any credit, but that was like my first project where I got to lead well, I think product what,
1: brand development. What made it, just in my opinion, because I'm not a like I like beer, but I'm not like a beer aficionado. I couldn't yeah. tell you the difference between like NMX standard or uh, another one that I like is from Ex Novo. It's called um Uh, it's not Elevated, that's Cumbre. It's Mass Ascension. Mass Ascension, thank you, Mass Ascension. And uh, I like it, but I can't fucking remember its name. I couldn't tell you the difference. Upon sipping, upon like, oh, this has hints of what? I'm not that guy. But what stood out to me, and it's because of my taste, um, just in uh, aesthetics, like the, the black can. Right. You don't really see that in beer. It's always these like either traditional... Brown bottle or green bottle rarely, right? Because I think Heineken's the only green bottle around now. Yeah, everyone's basically but, canning stuff. Yeah, it's nowadays. all can and brown bottle. And then it's like if it's craft beer, it's always which is, for good reason, it's always based around the state and like state colors or state iconography or stuff like that. So to see an all blacked out beer because like, oh, like that's at least that's different. Yeah, you still, you still have like the, the New Mexico like state on it and stuff like that, but at least that's different. Right. So I think that helped made it stand out in the first way before I even like had it. And it's a good beer; I like it. It's not too bad at all. But like just the the eye attention, like the the, the grabbing of it was, was yeah, was a good idea.
0: And I mean, that was kind of going for it. Was you know IPAs are huge in craft brewery. Like that's in brewing, like in general, it's like seven out of ten every craft beers is an IPA where people are buying. Right. Right. But the big rise with young people and also people shifting as like a good for you thing is that they're drinking lighter beer alternatives or they're drinking seltzers. People want something that they don't feel like shit after, you know, and I'm not trying to bash beer like, no, but, but f- like if you drink like two or three IPAs, you kind of like you feel sometimes like you maybe had a loaf of bread, you know, like some for some people yeah. and I love IPAs, but I have shifted in that after you've had so many, right? And so I think, like, where we went was, okay, let's create a lighter beer alternative. So someone who's, like, I want to support something local. I want to, like, I just don't want to be seen with a Bud Light. I don't want to be seen with a Miller Light. Like, I'm better than that. But, like, I don't want that heavy beer and so it's like a source of pride it's a badge of honor and then we aligned it with like an, a local insight like land of manana you know what i mean like it's a liquid nirvana from the land of manana this is an easy drinking beer for your easygoing lifestyle like and that was the messaging and so it speaks to every occasion it speaks to a, a level of pride and i think it turns it into something positive but it
1: also like the can helps a lot that it looks good <laughs> yeah exactly it was dope um one thing i want to talk about before we get out of here is we've covered comedy to to, I love talking about comedy. I know you do too. Yeah. you got roast battles coming up again. Yes. Um, you don't have to give all, all the the beans away or anything like that. But I imagine it's gonna be at Rebel. Is will the construction be done by then? Because I know they were redoing the piano bar. Right. That's a great question. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, I've heard about it, but yeah, they've given me the, they've given me the green light on March 23rd. Okay. So. Um, I'm going to be doing it every three months, I think, sometime in June. I got a hold in June. But, yeah, March 23rd, back at Revel. Um, I'm working on the lineup right now. I, I don't know the turnaround time on that. Now I'm like, all right, I'm going to get the flyer done so you could even, if you reference it, people can find it online. But in general, like, just keep an eye out uh, for the promo. It's going to be March 23rd. It's you know, it's a packed-out show. The last one was the biggest show we've ever had, and Dude, I think taking the break. And- that
1: was – I couldn't even imagine how you felt. He's just walking in there in general – um i remember me and my chick we were like because we got there a little bit early and we like i don't know if this like i hope people show up like, what the fuck is going on maybe 10 minutes later just floods and floods yeah. they were new mexico late but floods and floods, yeah. and floods and floods of people came in and it was packed like did you guys sell out i mean it, it had turned into standing close. room it turned into standing
0: room right like all the seats were taken people had to stand over yeah. there like it was by far the best night and we got paid extra it was huge. Um, let me give a little tidbit. Like, not this one. It was a huge event. Like, so funny. And, like, last second stuff, to have Sarah Kennedy go up there and roast battle was an honor for me because I never got to see that, and she was incredible. But something, and I'm hoping to have him back. You know Richard Wolfson?
1: hmm mm-hmm.
0: So the event before that, he did his first roast battle. And um, I think his other uh, opponent backed out, and so Caleb Mulkey stepped in at the last second. And that night, Richard Wolfson went on stage. I helped him on stage,
1: yeah. you know. Hey, shout out to him. He he had a surgery a
0: while yeah. back. So be, shout out I to him, he, man. Yeah, I hope he's doing okay. I hope he's. He said he was open to doing this next one, so I'm hoping he. Okay, this good. is my little like teaser. He's supposed to be back on this March event. I hope he's healing yeah. and recovering well. Um, he went up there and he had a water bottle, reusable water bottle, and uh, he goes, you know, and I'm butchering this right now, but basically he talks about like you know. Caleb your dating life is so sad like you never could get a girlfriend he's like and my wife died recently so I'm going to let you have some of mine and he get, and her ashes were in the water bottle I don't know if they're really their ashes or her ashes but dude it was the most like if anyone filmed that it, I was so sad I did not get that on camera I was just mind blown and it was like the most insane thing and he was all He's like, don't worry though. Like, he's like, I know this like lid is pretty small, but your dick will still fit. And dude, just oh
1: my god! And, was I there did for that? that? That was the June event, dude. Fuck! I don't know if I was there for that or not. That's no. It was was it this past June? Yeah, it was last. Okay, June, yeah. Okay, because I was no, I was not there because I was recovering from surgery. Oh my god! That's fucking. I, I I'm imagining him deliver that. I'm also imagining Caleb react to that because Caleb was built like by Rumpelstiltskin a little bit so just watching him and he's got a lot of hair big beard that's fucking it was like I kind of I think Caleb loved it too because it was just like everyone was just like what? But that's, yeah, that's right up his alley. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's right yeah, dude. It was like the most iconic, like I could not believe it happened. And I was like, <laughs> I wish I had this on camera. So that's yeah, so that, that's, he sh- I, I'm going to check in, but Richard Wolfson should be back March 23rd at the roast balance. Ooh,
1: that's a good thing. Okay. So this is pops in my head. Has there ever been a thought of, this would be a huge selling point for like, not that people you've had on don't take comedy seriously, but for comics that legitimately, they know they have the skill, they're taking it seriously. That, that type of shit, like saying, Hey, uh, come back for this next roast battle, we're going to be professionally filming it. And then you get to use that footage, whether it's your social media, you just want to promote yourself, whether it's like on YouTube, you want to make a compilation, or you want to do something you think you're ready for just for laughs, and you want to submit something for just for laughs. Yeah. Like whether they're one of the roast battlers or they're one of the opening guys, that could be a... That is a good idea. You know? I actually... And then you get to promote it yourself, because obviously it's your footage.
0: yeah. No, and I, and I did do one, and it was crazy because I used w- one event I had, um, you know, filmed, and I did some clips, and, like, those clips, you know, 20,000, 30,000 views, like, they were the move. I think I'm just, like, I, you know, I throw the whole event, and I think I sometimes just get caught up. Yeah. I think that's a great idea to go into this next one saying, hey, this whole event's going to be filmed. You guys bring your A-game, you know? Yeah. If you want, you can
1: use the clip for whatever you want. Hopefully you do good. <laughs> yeah, that, that would be a cool selling. Point. And you also get to get bring the audience in because I mean, you know, clips going viral on TikTok and Instagram anyway now about like tapings and shit. But now the audience gets to feel like they're a part of something even bigger. It's like, "Oh, I was here when this got taped." You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. We might have to. I
0: might have to make that happen. I think I might get you a cut. Get you a cut of that. But yeah, live.
1: That could be real neat. Yeah, I mean? live and, special
0: of the roast battles. And, I mean, like I, I'm a huge fan of Kill Tony. Yeah. Um, you know, I've been
1: is. saying for so long, and I talked a. Marie and Buck's ear off about this because they actually used to hold an open mic this past summer. Oh yeah, at Inside, um, Out. at Inside Out, and that's where I did comedy for the first time, and it was kind of a Kill Tony setup. Like you signed up for it, you went up there, you did five minutes, and they talked to you afterwards. I think. That as comedy grows in Albuquerque, people can say it's a rip-off or whatever. We need something like that. Yeah. I think that invites people so much because then you get to see people try to do stand-up comedy and that type of stuff. Like, that's cool. But then you also get to see the interaction. You get to get the crowd audience involved. And, like, it's a whole event. Like, there's a reason why it works so well. And there's a reason why it worked at the comedy store in front of 11 people and why it works now at the mothership in front of three hundred. Like, there's a reason why that's so versatile. I don't know how that happens. Maybe I, I may maybe, maybe I'll do happens. this one
0: as we might invite someone to do their first. Because you know we do stand up before the roast battles. Right. Maybe I'll open up something like invite someone to do their first ever set. Yeah, and then. The crowd, and then the judges can do commentary after. I know that's like that's I don't scary. want to rip it off, but that or, or or like someone new, you know? Yeah, that'd be that's a real scary thing. And open it up to some feedback, but yeah, to yeah. that crowd, I mean, that's a gnarly one. I mean, I don't want to r- rip anything off, but I agree. Like, I'm. It's always but, about the entertaining, like it, the value, and a, you're providing an opportunity and a platform. Well,
1: there's a reason why it works. Like, it'd be one thing if you took because I, because I was talking to Buck about that. Like, it's not necessarily like you can't really steal a format because. Again, it's the humans that inside the format that make it different. Like, because if that that's the case, sitcoms throughout the 70s, 80s, and 90s would have been suing each other left and right. Yeah, exactly. Game shows would be suing each other. You know what I mean? It's the format can be the thing. You can have like twists and turns or gimmicks or whatever, but it's the humans inside the format that's making it unique. Um like it'd be one thing if you were doing this and you called it fucking kill Evan. Yeah, exactly. You know I and mean? it's like, okay, dickbag, what yeah, are you exactly. Doing Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, but you know... nothing's original. Yeah, yeah. A like slightly really pudgy guy is your producer. Yeah, exactly. And, and yeah. like, okay. Yeah. But no, if you just take the format of it, make it your own, and you're, it's your own people doing it, people can say what the fuck they want, but if it's successful at any type of level, and if just, or if it's just a good time, that'll work. Uh, one, one last question about the roast battles. Have you ever had the opportunity or you ever thought about, like, getting uh, the chance to have, like... A surprise, like local celebrity, be on the panel. I know you had Johnny James. Yeah, right. But I'd love to up the game, though. But that would be fucking hilarious if you were like Ron Bell's in the building, and his little midget ass walks out, dude, and, and sits on the table. Dude, I love Ron Bell to be on the show. That would he's be, like, or like, who's the dude that did the investigative stuff? Larry Barker. Larry Parker. Oh, that man. would be fucking hilarious. or even like just to just to just. to, I mean, he's getting out of office soon, and people love him, but people hate him. I think it would be hilarious if fucking Tim Keller showed up and you watched the mayor drop an F-bomb. Right. Well, there was even a point where he
0: almost... I was actually supposed to be on it. We were going to do roast... The, there was like a promoter and never happened, but it was like roast Albuquerque and we are supposed to get to roast the mayor. And so he was in and then he
1: wasn't, you know? Yeah. So um well, Maybe if he's not the one taking the arrows, but you know... I've No, was, agreed.
0: I think, I think the fact that he ever even agreed to that means that he's down yeah, in some capacity. There's something there. I like that a lot, like a local... Especially someone who's not a not a comedian,
1: like we step out that those bounds. Yeah. That's what that was those are the interesting parts about Kill Tony is like Dr. Phil. Uh, like yeah, <laughs> whoa, whoa, that's just fucking phenomenal. That's the Adam, We'll be right back. <laughs> yeah, Adam Ray is Dr. Phil is just something fucking beautiful. Yeah. But then like, you know, um it didn't go very well, but the gimmick of like having they had Ric Flair on one time. Oh, like, that was weird. Like, that was a weird one, right? But this the gimmick <laughs> he didn't have any idea. Yeah. He was like don't be mean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never make fun of someone donating their time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh. But you know, like just just something like that or mm-hmm. like if you get somebody big from like out of the music and the people know or just that, it would just be a cool thing and I think just kind of off the top of my head, if you end up doing that for like the next one or the one afterwards, you have like some kind of local celebrity that people can gravitate to or that they know the name of it, then they're like, oh, they're having local guests on to on the panel but they didn't put it on the flyer who's going to be there next right and now you can use that it's as a secret as, surprise and as marketing for the next one Was like okay we had person A guess who person B is going to be and then it becomes it have to be good reveals obviously but the fact that you can have that like enticing variable to the show that could really like you gave me a lot of stuff right
0: now that I'm probably, <laughs> like I'm not going to lie like don't be
1: surprised if I incorporate all of this so. It just, it could work. Like, I mean, and I'll be honest, like there were a couple of things where Johnny James kind of bombed. Oh, he totally but, did, yeah. You know what I mean? Like that happens. And I think he knows that. Like he he can't be like... No, nah, he's not mad. I mean, he's ign- cool with that. Yeah. I, not mad, but ignorant to the fact, right? But the fact that he went and did it anyway and the fact that like... You know, it's an opportunity for him to step out of of his his realm a little bit, for him to try something new, and then at the same time, he can also see how much reach he has, like how much effect did he have on the ticket sales, how much effect did he have on the word of mouth and the traffic and stuff like that. Right. And then you guys got your experience into like, okay, this is what it looks like when we don't have a traditional comedian on. This is what it looks like when we just have like an uh, like an. I I fucking hate the word influencer, but like a content creator, yeah, a no, local a local creator on. That's what that looks like with this guy. I think he just got on, like, the Albuquerque magazine front oh, too, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, okay, this is what that looks like. Okay, sick. Like, could you fucking imagine the pop you would get? Like, let's say you start doing local guests. Yeah. This person, this person. Say, like, next summer. Could you imagine? It's a booked-out room or 90% filled. Uh, okay, introducing the panel. Fucking uh, Zach Abeda, Sarah Kennedy, and our special guest tonight, John Jones. Yeah, that'd be crazy. How fucking crazy with that? Because, again, with somebody like that, it's somebody massive, but it's the mixture of them being big, but they love their local – he loves Albuquerque. For all that guy's faults, and he has a lot, but for all of his negatives – I love that. I have a really cool story with John Jones that I love. I would love to hear it. But, like, (laughs) he still loves Albuquerque, and I feel like that's something – that he wouldn't charge his full rate for. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. No, it's just, it's down the, I, I just hop on the freeway from Jackson's and I go. Yeah. I, th- I think he lives somewhere like in high desert or some shit. But like, I can hop on the freeway from high desert and fucking go, drop into Revel for a couple hours, we will have a couple of drinks, and we'll have a good time. Right. Like, could you imagine how, or like Holly Holmes? Right. That would be fucking bananas. Yep. And then like we, like you know very well from marketing, it's the word of mouth. Oh how yeah, that spreads. Who and do that these ex- people know? And, and and that
0: experience to be like they're not even comics, but you're getting to like see them like as off people. The, yeah, as people. Yeah, hundred percent, dude. And like Sean O'Malley and Kill Tony, like huge fans. Yeah, I just get to see him nerding yeah. out. You know what I mean? And knowing yeah. it all. Yeah, no, I love that idea. I might have to. I'm gonna try it. We're gonna see if I can make something happen for March. But that like,
1: could be that could be cool. You know, yeah. you, just, you add the variable to it, and again, I know this just from personal experience. When you get people, obviously, I'm at a very lower level, but when you get people that people can gravitate to on the on the product, on whatever you're making, when you get people that can gravitate to that, it's more than just a comedy show now. And I was like, oh, it's like, how is a fighter? How is a politician? How is this weird kooky lawyer gonna right. gonna react? Because Ron Bell, people don't know this outside of New Mexico. But Ron Bell is the inspiration for Saul Goodman. Yeah. 100%. Like percent. So having that guy on, like that's kind of crazy. And then all the weird stories to go around about Ron Bell, like him being a Coke head and him being fucking he'd always spend his time at uh at TDs and shit and all this time. It's like yeah. it's like having this weirdy, because he's like I met him once, uh, cause I worked at Pelicans on the east side. Um and he had come in like late at night, late, late as fuck. He's a tiny fucking he's yeah. like five four. Yeah. Five five around there. So having that Variable, yeah.
0: Especially if we played off the like fight, like the boxing gloves or something. Yeah, <laughs> but <at the event.
1: laughs>
0: like we have someone else dress up as Ron Bell. He yeah. comes out <laughs> while he's on stage. So you, uh before we get out of here,
1: oh, uh, your yeah, story about amazing. John Jones.
0: Oh yeah, and I don't. This is uh, this is my cool cool guy's story. This makes it a little less cool by me sharing it, but this he might be down to actually do the show because of this. I was hungover as fuck flying back from Denver and i don't know why like i'm not a soda person but i was like just so hungover i wanted a dr pepper right i fall asleep on the plane wake up they've already served it i'm like fine i'm like oh fuck. for some reason i wanted this so i go to one of those little you know the um, little stalls in in the airport to go get some a dr pepper maybe a snack or some shit. and i go in the line and it's john jones right in front of me and his card keeps getting declined <laughs> I'm putting him on blast right now. It's like a card keeps getting declined, dude. And he tries another one, gets declined. And I'm like, what the fuck? And then someone else comes up and they're like, what, John Jones, Like, can I take a picture? He's like, yeah, of course he takes a picture. So while they're doing that, I go and I give my, I don't know, I'll pay for his shit. So I buy all his food and my Dr. Pepper. And I'm like, I'm not going to even say anything. I'm like, got it. And I'm about to go. And he's like, what? He's like, oh, wait. He's like, you pay? Did you pay for that? And I was like, yeah, dude, no problem. And he's like, I'll give you a back rub for your feet. <laughs> like he's joking with me. He's yeah, ripping like, yeah. thanks dude. He like dabs yeah. me up. And I just like, I'm like, he's like, should I get you back? I like, nah, dude. And I just like walk away. Like it was like my hero origin story. <laughs> like, and you know, be airing it out online. Doesn't make it as cool, but it's funny. Cause like it, the moment
1: I was like, dude, I just fucking paid for John. Oh, Jones. You, know, you gave him a real human interaction. He probably hasn't had in a
0: long time. Dude. Yeah. He was super like, what? Like yeah. I didn't ask for a picture. None of that shit. You know? I was like, like
1: that's that's a very human moment. Yeah. And now I just aired it out. Well, 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 well no, it's cool that like that yeah. he responded well to it, right? Because he yeah. has the public persona of being an angry guy. Oh, dude, he he's just a has super the, nice he, guy. Right, because he just has that or not public persona, he has the um so some bad PR, yeah, or an, some an, tough yeah, yeah, spotlight some, on yeah, him. some bad PR. And so the fact that he that's how he reacts in a real moment, like that's something people do want to hear. I can talk about the authenticity, the relatability of it, but again, like, because how long ago was this? July. Okay, so extremely recently. Super recently. When is the— He was, like,
0: heavy—he's big for his heavyweight fight. Like, he was, like, the—it was a UFC thing in Vegas. Like, I'm sure he's flying to Vegas because it was, like, this big— Like, he wasn't fighting, but it was some sort of event there.
1: But the fact that it was so recent, the only reason that guy's card declined is because his bank was doing something weird. Thought he was doing something weird, so it was a security thing. Oh, he has his, money. Yeah, yeah, his shit doesn't decline. Like that's just that's yeah, just not guaranteed. A thing. Yeah. So for him to be able to have that moment, I mean, that's that's cool. I don't know. That's yeah. I, I think I thought so. Cool.
0: I thought of that. I was like, the fact that I was like, and even in the moment that I was like, I'm like, I didn't waste a second, dude. Like I like, he went over to take photos. Like, I'm gonna pay for this dude's shit, like just to be like, yeah. Yeah, and
1: I and it really wasn't for any sort of end game. It was no, just like it's a nice thing of, to do. Yeah, it was a nice. Thing. Yeah, like and, I'll do also, that for people. But then also, when, people, when do you get the opportunity to do that for somebody of that stature? Yeah,
0: dude, seriously. There's okay, and I will. I'll leave you with one more That this is another paying altercation. This was actually at an uh, Albuquerque, and I was going to buy something. I was in a rush, and this homeless dude goes to buy a beer, and he's at the counter, and he fucking. Ksh- And it's all this change all over the fucking counter to buy this beer, right? And he's like, he's like messing with it. And the guy's like letting him do it for a second. And then you see, like, I'm kind (laughs) of (laughs) like, fuck, because I'm in a rush, you know? And like, I wasn't trying to be a dick, but I'm just like, fuck, dude, this is going to take a long. Like, this dude's like, (sighs) right. Yeah, we've all been there. We've all fucking. And and the guy's like, the cashier's like, hey, dude, like, you can't do that right here. And the guy is like, What do you mean? It's a counter. <laughs> dude, I was dying. I was like, I'll buy that dude's beer right now. I was like, I gotta go. I was like, I'll keep your change, dude. I bought his beer, paid for my shit. It's like, I got the fuck out of there. It was a win win. I was like, Dude, yes, dude. Like, it was the coolest shit. It was like, it's a counter. I'm counting shit. That <laughs> is... Dude, like, the guy had nothing. He's like, Oh, you're right. Like, oh, it's. Was... That's fucking hilarious. Yeah. Oh. So those are my two best paying for people stories. Two oh total shit. opposites. That's but, fucking hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like TV show type shit. <laughs> it's a counter. That's funny. Yeah. All
1: right, so March 23rd. March 23rd. Cool. Revel, Roast Battles. Yes, sir. Sick.
0: Yeah, pre-sales will probably be available. But yeah, we might have... Dude, no, thank you. I got a bunch <laughs> of good ideas for this event. Like, there might be a secret guest. There might be—I don't even know—maybe someone trying a comedy for the first time, and we'll give them an opportunity, and we'll give them some feedback. I don't know, man. I'm going to do something different because it could be cool. You helped me out, so thank you. Whatever Th- I can do to serve,
1: man. <laughs> yeah. That's well, thanks for time. having me on the show, man. It's Dude, thank you for coming by. This is sick. Uh, I mentioned earlier that there were some interviews that I wanted—I had in like the back of my head. like, Oh, I you want to do this like years ago. You were one of them. I'm glad we didn't. Yeah. I would have fucking botched. <laughs> so I'm very glad that we ran into each other, and met at a one-liner. Yeah. Thank sick you very show. much. That was a sick show. It too. was. That was a lot of fun to be a part of. Yeah. Um, where can everyone find, like, you on social media, the Roast Battle stuff?
0: Yeah. So I'm just on, you know, let's we'll just go Instagram, just Evan Ron, Ronz, uh, I, I post some comedy skits, mostly just some bullshit for my life. But then you can find the Roast Battles, ABQ Roast Battles on Instagram. We update the events there, and then you can just kind of tap in and
1: sick. see what happens. And then your music as well.
0: Yeah. Uh, Rip Williams uh, on Instagram Rip Williams TV. We're like Indie rock just releasing some music we did some comedy skits here and there too i usually like trying to build out another brand there but yeah check out our music man thanks for the thanks
1: for the plug fuck you, dude thank you for coming and spending some time man this has been sick uh thank you everyone for listening and watching and we will see you next time bye everybody see (laughs) you